Motorcycles and Misfits, coming to you from the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. What's up, everyone? Hey, this is Liza, and I am so uh, uh, not prepared for the show tonight. I don't know what we're going to talk about. I think we're going to figure it out. We got a couple things. Got a cool guest coming, uh, but it's one of those uh, days where we were going hot and heavy in the garage until the last second, and then I ran in here to do this. So um, I'll tell you all about that. But and before I do, let's introduce who is with us, the misfits in the house. Of course, it's everyone's favorite. It's Miss Emma. Oh, hello, her darlings. <laughs> um, I am beyond thrilled to be here today. Yes, yes, stunt pearls, darling. <laughs> yes. Stunt pearls. There you go. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, no, life is good. Uh, well, well, Jim, we might as well tell the story. Of course, it's Naked Jim. And, uh, Jim, we were talking about when we're doing our recordings uh, for the Misfits, for the YouTube channel, Emma's mic is always hitting her pearls. And I said, we need to come up with stunt pearls that aren't clacking on it. And Jim had a perfect idea. What was that, Jim? Yeah, uh, rubber-coated Benoit balls. <laughs> they come in multiple sizes. I think ah, Emma can anal find beads. Them one that works for her. Well, I didn't want to be too too crass. I think she can find one that will work for uh, for all occasions. <laughs> okay, I love and it. I I presume um, I presume that I will have to disable my sense of smell when I use them. <laughs> no dishwasher safe. Oh, I love it. Anal beads are stunt put them pearls. in the freezer, too. <laughs> really? <laughs> no. Good Lord. Oh, you know, I have led such a sheltered life. Oh, my heck. So, uh, <laughs> coming to us probably for the last time ever from the garage he's sitting in now, it's Bagel. Hello. I'm here for now. Um, I'm going to try to make a podcast next Sunday. I'm going to be on my way back from Oregon for my second trip of moving, but I'm going to try to be back in time to join the podcast. So I may be here in my garage, the well, the not my garage, soon did not be my garage yeah. next week. But uh, yeah, if after that, I will be up in Oregon. And you've had a bunch of uh, you know misfits reach out and offer to like hook up with you up in Oregon. Yes, yes. thanks to everybody who's, who's reached out. I'm sorry I haven't been able to uh, get in touch with you yet. I've been just going crazy with everything uh, getting ready. But I do have your emails and I will be in touch once I'm up there and have uh, everything <laughs> have everything uh, moved and, and if not settled at least in uh, at least in place for the time being. So and then uh, finally tonight our uh, our stunt misfit. It's John Dalton. Hey, Ghost Rider sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's an inside joke right now, but soon everyone will be in on the joke. So um, uh, last week, Emma told a very funny story about her crotch being on fire. It wasn't funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's always funny, just not when it's you. That's the, that's the deal. <laughs> um. And yeah, that we were laughing. Well, John Dalton's got 
his own story, and it's not funny. It really isn't isn't funny. But John Dalton, your crotch yeah. was on fire this week too. Oh, indeed. Yeah, yeah, but not in the um, I don't know the going into the wrong house or leaving the wrong party kind of burning but uh <laughs> no, you'd have to clap huh yeah no no not that lucky i guess but anyway yeah so i had um yeah i don't know should i just start yeah talking? let's let's talk about because this is actually quite frightening uh mm. it's i it's this could have been even more dangerous than it was uh more tragic than it was and i want to know um, I mean, basically, uh, you'll tell the story, but you were riding down the road and everything was on fire, including you. I can't even imagine how you even process that. So you want to tell the story? Yeah. So um, I had gone into a uh, an establishment that is in uh, San Jose. And as soon as I got there, mm-hmm. uh, my my injector started spraying out the side and tell everyone which ugly bike you were riding <laughs> uh it was in a uh, bmw r1200c oh uh, yes yeah. my favorite ugliest bike yeah uh, you need to stop praying because <laughs> that just messed up my bike <laughs> i know you hate my bike liza actually you know what and i do i apologize i take it back because i there's a certain suzuki intruder i think is uglier than that okay. one so i apologize <laughs> okay mm. So anyway, um, yeah, uh, what happened was I went into uh, this motorcycle shop place and um, there, my, my injector started spraying out the side and one of the O-rings had, had, had popped. And so I tried to pop it back in and then there was the gas line and I tried to move the gas line uh, out and then um, to where I could take the fuel injector apart, pop it back in together. But what had happened was I snapped off uh, the top plastic part that would go into the fuel line. Mm. And, uh, yeah. And so, you know, this, this guy who was, you know, nice had offered to stay, uh, after hours and, you know, I could Venmo him and he would repair it. And so we kind of stayed around waiting for the epoxy to repair, to, to dry. And, um, anyway, so we, we cleaned it out, cleaned it out, cleaned it out. And I decided to take Highway 17 home, and Highway 17 is a little bit more pop. It has a lot more people on it. It's however. our it's our racetrack over the mountain. Exactly, and there was a different route that I was going to take that was way more country. But I decided I'm just going to go up 17. <clears throat> so anyway, I'm I'm riding along, and then you know it's kind of sputtering, sputtering, and then all of a sudden it clears out, and I'm like, oh, this is sweet. And then later on, as I'm going uphill, um, I start hearing. Tsh- and, and I'm like, oh, shit. And so I looked down to my left, and the the injector had broke, and it was spraying gas all over the ground. Mm. And then as I was going uphill, um, I was looking for a pull-off. And then I found a little pull-off that was maybe about two motorcycles mm-hmm. wide and pulled over. And then as soon as I stopped, it just, whoop, boom, like everything just flamed up. And I see this big old flame, and I'm like, oh, you know, whatever, whatever, cursey, cursey. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, yeah, I went off, I, I, I jumped off the bike and then I noticed my leg was on fire. And so I kept, you know, I tried rolling on the ground, but I was rolling on some dry things and then I just ended oh, up. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we have enough problem with fires here, John. <laughs> I oh know, my right? gosh. 
And so anyway, so I'm patting it down. And finally, I got my, my left hand and was able to put it out. But then, I, you know, I looked behind me and then there's a long trail too that was on fire as well so there was a trail up to oh, my bike oh my god yeah it's just like yeah. from the movies so you left this yeah. trail of gas that lit up and went yeah it had this wow. trail yeah and um you know i just sat there and you know tried to call and yeah it was it was scary stuff man so and, did the bike go up pretty fast it the flames were there but it it really it's weird it's like Oh God! Like, I don't even know if it's like watching—I don't know—just watching something close to you, you know, <laughs> yeah. just like burning, and you can't do anything. And then also, what was weird is that the flames were going on, and then all of a sudden it started up again. It was weird. The 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 wheel started turning, click 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 click, and it kept moving around. Or just like you what, know, what, like, what would that have been, Emma? Going. Um, you know, I mean, the bike itself. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, combustion still happening. Wow! You know, just because oh, it's on that makes fire. Sense. Um, yeah, you didn't kill the engine when it's. it's when the I wonder if. Well, oh, you didn't kill the engine, so the pump is still pumping. I wonder. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. Happened. Um, um, yeah, I but I know exactly what you mean with fire, John. Because I mean, you put and you see your bike go up, and you think. Oh, it, well, I saw it, in front of me. Yeah, just boof. Yeah, just, and yeah. I'm like, I'm off the bike. So just now the, the adrenaline's kicking in, and you're thinking, oh, we can save this. And then there's a <clears> moment <throat> that you know it's over. Yeah. yeah you uh, know that the flame's going to take you. It. You see that look on like Baja 1000 riders. Yes. Mm. Same thing. First, they're kicking sand on it, and then there's you just see the shoulders go down, and it's over. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I, I ended up posting my. Uh, little thing on the bmw facebook forum like hey heed my tail you know <laughs> dude and and yeah. uh how how are you what were your injuries um oh yeah so from my knee down i've got a bunch of second degree burns and i've got uh probably about the size of a 50 cent piece um a little bit more like of of a third degree burn now would you say i want to know what gear you were wearing and did gear help Good. I'm glad you brought that up because I totally wanted to talk about that. Yes. Um, If I had been shorts, T-shirt, you know, kind of a person, then things would have been really, really, really bad. Um, I had uh, I had knee uh, knee protection, the the, the kind of the shin guard. uh, Like dirt bike shin guards? Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, Underneath my uh, underneath my jeans. And um Anyway, that helped, especially on my shin, my front shin, from the flames going there. And then also with my gloves. And um, I know they can't see it on the podcast, Mm -hmm. but my sister was saying, hey, if you go somewhere that you'll never go, you know, not not come back for a while, you should buy two of them. So this is my Route 66 hat. And this is my old Route 66. Oh, your hat was hanging on the bike? (laughs) And it melted. What I did is I had it on my, I usually put it on my uh, little belt loop. Hey, John, tilt your mic back up. Oh, sure, sure. Thank you. Um, But yeah, so anyway, that was on the the side there. Um, And anyway, so uh, yeah, but my my dual sport gear uh, on or my jacket on the yeah. side, you know, uh, that, that took some of the hit and, and, and my gloves, you know, if I would have had no gloves, no jacket, no, you know, nothing for my knees, 
you know, it, it could have been way, 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 way. Well, way. yeah, the fact that you were wearing the shin guards must have had a made a big difference. And if you were just wearing jeans, as I ride most of the time, and mm-hmm. just like jeans, um, that made a big difference right there. Yeah. I think so, and and granted, it might have soaked up some of the uh, <laughs> some of the gas, but even you, oh, oh my goodness, I couldn't imagine. Now I'm starting to wonder, you know, synthetic that would have been really bad, yeah. like melted, pretty yeah. much napalm onto your skin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm just really grateful that you know, and, and it's funny because I was just talking to Doug um, a couple days before, and we were talking, we were flashing back to uh, another episode where we were talking about how we want to do this as long as we can. We want to be 80, you know, in writing and whatever. Well, it- ask Emma about that. Emma, how is it? Um, uh, is it I, I'm getting quite feeble now, darling. Um, it's quite hard getting getting your leather pants over your Depends, dear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm completely with you, John. I mean, I still want to be riding at 80, and at nearly 60, mm-hmm. um, the problem isn't riding. The problem is when you fucking fall off. And the last wreck I had, which was on my Trident, my old Trident, was the wreck that really I have suffered the most lasting injuries from. Not because it was a particularly bad wreck, but because I'm getting old. Right. And so it is with the old skin and your your meniscus, darling. You know, um, you're considerably younger than me, John, but you ain't 21 anymore. Right. And I right. think the burns you suffered are far worse than you would have suffered as a teenager or as a 21 year old. So I think what we need to do as we get older the obvious one is be more mindful about how we ride mm-hmm. and not do the old, you know, eyes turning red and rolling back into our heads. Yeah. And yeah. 120 <laughs> but maintaining our bikes as well as we can. Mm-hmm. And, well, and uh, my thing is to just remind myself about my instinct. Cause my, my first instinct was like, you know what? Fuel stuff. They don't have the parts. I can't leave it here. I got triple a, I can, you know, I can get towed home. Right. You know, that right, was my yeah. first reaction. And, you know, and because it was safety first, you know. Yeah. And I got to say, I felt a little weird while he was working on it, you know. Uh, and, you know, it's just that that inner inner voice, you know. In- instincts really serve us quite well. Um, if it feels weird, the chances are it is weird. And, you know, we live in such a digital computerized age where it's almost laughed at to follow these instincts that you feel. It's almost like animalistic to to follow your instincts. But there's something about it. There really is. But... Yeah, our intuitions serve us well if you know if we if we listen to them and, and pay attention to what they're trying to tell us. Right. You know, and and, and frankly, yeah, that, I I agree that I think your instincts were absolutely right there. Trying to repair a high pressure fuel injection fitting with epoxy is a, really yeah. not a good idea because if it's if it's cracked, you know, that epoxy is not going yeah. to withstand the pressure that that fuel is pushing through that line. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and short of you know 
some way of welding the plastic back together, which even is still. Oh no! Be, now you. That's not going to. That's not going to be any better either, because you're going to have a weak spot, and boom, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it's just, like you, there's no for something like that. There's just no no replacement for replacement. Right. Well, but, you know, let's focus, John. John, oi. darling. Oi, oi. <laughs> let's focus on the good stuff. Number one, you're still here to talk about it. Yes, yes. Um, you're probably in a little bit of pain. <laughs> the days of you wearing sheer nylons are probably <laughs> over, darling. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. No. Emma, you don't gonna... underestimate my nylon power. Are you, are <laughs> you going to embrace your scars like me, darling? I am, are and you... I was just telling Bagel before the podcast, and whatever that third-degree burn shape takes, you know, I need to start looking up at my geology or geography again, and then whatever country it <laughs> resembles, you know, I can kind of make that. Right. But yeah. you're still here to talk about it. And, you know, the old BMW, you know I was involved in... Mm -hmm. You ending up with that bike, Absolutely. it served you quite well for how many years? About five years. Five years. You've yeah. been all over the West Coast on it. Oh, absolutely. And, um, it went out like Valhalla. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It got a proper Viking funeral. <laughs> right. John, I'm it gave itself a Viking funeral. How cool is that? John, I'm so happy, though, that you didn't sustain worse injuries. And, and I just want to yeah. say, can we all have... A moment of silence for the R1200C. Okay. And, um, if I could point out that the C stands for conflagration <laughs> in John's case. <laughs> oh, um, so um, the only thing I think you need to do is... Um, post the little video you've got, but you can actually take yourself out. And, you know, do some Wagner in the background, I think, would be appropriate. <laughs> well, you know? what, I, what I appreciate about the video you sent, it's it's this blurry, like, bright thing in, in the dark, and then you see the outline of the wheels, and you realize it's a motorcycle on fire. Then you hear you going, ow, 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 my leg. <laughs> my leg's on fire. Fuck. <laughs> yes. blankety blank 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 exactly yeah, yeah. so you can edit all that out and just just put in a wagner soundtrack there you go like i'm no. meaning to do this all right He's this right. is on purpose although yeah i don't know i'm thinking more like yeah, yeah whatever it's Brianna. Brianna or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. What a crazy, what a crazy story. Um, yeah. Oh, and Emma, just yeah. to let you know. Uh, so the reason that we were running late. Um, so John was here changing the tires on his KLR. Yes. And uh, he was doing. He he learned in the way of do the things wrong to learn how not to do them. And uh, Emma was there to point out most of it, but then Emma had to leave and she left us to help him. And there was like eight of us and we couldn't get the back wheel on. We were having trouble aligning the spacers and the uh, the cow the, yes. you know, the rotor yeah. into the brakes. As you do in a lot of, as and... you do in a lot of bikes, it's hard getting everything all lined up and then that spacer falls out. Then you gotta get this lined up and you gotta pry the pads apart and um we got like a two by four under the wheel and we're lifting it up and it's getting caught on something. We don't know what's going on. If we finally get it up, get the axle in there and it's not going in easy. So I'm tapping it and it's moving, but 
it's I'm hitting it with an actual sledgehammer, just tap, 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 tap. So it's going, but very, very slow. We get it in, we get it across. The wheel won't move. Yeah, it's not happy. It's tight. There's literally, there's like eight of us all running around. Did you try this? What about that? Da, 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 da. I said, let's take it all off. Take the caliper off because it seemed like the caliper was stuck on the rotor. Take the caliper yes. off and that's a spacer. Just take it out. Let's put everything back without that and see if things move freely because we thought maybe the tire, the new knobby tire was getting caught yes, on yes, the yes. swing arm. Uh, and, and we're running out of time and everyone's trying to help and, and we finally, finally figured out he put the spacers on the wrong sides. And by putting yeah. the spacers on the wrong side, it created an extra like quarter inch Yes. Because it didn't drop down in. It was uh, one of the spaces is larger and fits over uh, the dust shield, I think. And yep. that was causing all the problems. Yeah, it's I, remarkable I, I how, that out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's remarkable how spacers like that on a, like front wheel, especially, or I guess rear wheel too, look exactly the exact same size. And they can be so slightly off and make that happen. I've done that a couple of times. These uh -oh. were really different <laughs> yeah what's about really an inch different. and a quarter and the other's like three inches oh, jesus <laughs> shame on all of you then <laughs> well shame i didn't take it apart you. so he just <laughs> yeah. you know you take it apart and this is a, 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 a my top tip whenever doing wheels i always take anything that comes off the right side and i set it on the right and anything comes on the yep. left side i set it on the left yeah so that you remember which way the axle went through which spacers went where yep. Which, you know, adjuster went because sometimes there's differences. Yeah, I oh, feel from know. that I did the same thing. You know, now I now I learned and I do exactly what you said, Liza. Mm -hmm. If I take it off the one side, I always try to leave it on that side. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, here's a misfit top tip. Oh, let's hear if it. You, if you're taking something apart for the first time, get a Sharpie and just mark left or right, direction, front, back, Whatever mm -hmm. marks you need, even if it's one X for the right, two X's for the left, it doesn't matter. But it gives you something to follow. Because in an ideal scenario, you're taking something apart and putting it back together again at the same time. Well, now, hang on. You might run out of light. You might run out of weekend. Mm -hmm. You might run out of summertime. So you might be coming back to a job six months after you started it. So those marks are a lifesaver. Everyone's got a Sharpie in their top drawer. And if you don't have a Sharpie, you can cut your finger and write it in blood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good top tip. Yeah, so, um, and I think the other thing here, and, and this is, I think, a reminder to everyone, because I will bet you we have all been here when you are running short on time and you are rushing. Yes. You are never thinking clearly, never. So once I realized that, like he was just he was in that 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 pace, I said, "Look, you can uh, you can leave your bike here. It's okay. Like, don't worry. We can we can do it next. We can do it next week. So just uh, you know, take your time, figure it out." And we did. Right. So he got out of there. He rode out mm -hmm. on inflated tires. Yep. Did you let him do a test ride first, or was it like No, sayonara? I had to run in here, and yeah. Yeah. But well, Henry and Bagel, everyone stayed and, and saw it through, and that was the other great thing about the Misfits is that um, 
everyone was pulling together and helping. So that was also really cool. So we got him out of here. It was done. And there were a lot of lessons learned. Um, so you guys, you know, what with, you know, John's uh, crazy bike burning up this week and with just, uh, we, we're always going through so much. You know how we're always, we always say wear all your gear all the time, right? We've all, we've yes. proven over and over how important it is. Have you guys thought about technology and gear much? Yeah. Yeah. All the time. Well, you know, that this is something that um, it's not that common yet. Well, I guess it is. I mean, a lot of us have Bluetooth you know, and speakers and our helmets, but there's more and more tech to come. Um, and there's a new helmet company that I heard about that is bringing some new tech that I'm kind of, I'm kind of excited about. So uh, I want to have them on to talk about it. And guess who we have here? It's Tim Calhoun. How you doing, Tim? Hey, Tim. I'm, I'm doing hey. well, guys. And Tim is with Quinn Design Helmets. I suggest you go look it up. It's Q-U-I-N, full stop. And uh, they're doing something pretty cool. Tim, I know you have this whole spiel down, so I'll let you talk about it. But tell us uh, first about the helmet, because, you know, again, we preach all gear all the time. and, And you weren't here for the story earlier, but our friend John here up in the corner, his bike caught on fire last night. And he, uh, his gear helped in, in keeping him from getting burned worse than he did. Absolutely. That's a, yeah. That's a pretty hot topic. <laughs> yeah. Handsome and witty. Oh, so, man. Well, I hate us, to hear that. Tell us yeah. about this, uh, this Quinn design helmet and how it's different from everything else on the market well um at the end of the day i'd say right now in the marketplace it's truly in my opinion the only really smart helmet quote unquote Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a lot of companies out there i mean we all you're all from the bay area we all live through the scully fiasco um we've all seen the heads-up displays and it's like being in tron and i think for most of us who ride most of the time i really have very little interest in having something heads up i have very little interest in having something that takes me away from what i want to do which is ride and kind of check out anyways uh for me for a lot of years i didn't even listen to music and maybe i don't know seven eight years ago i used bluetooth a lot never listened to music started listening to music and realized it just got me where i wanted to be on a motorcycle that much faster some people don't like it i i do i mean i just kind of pop on some old rock and within a couple minutes i'm feeling pretty darn good about my life again when i get on my bike so um, where Quinn came about was um, Ani, the founder, had uh, at 19 been riding a bicycle in London and uh, somebody had opened a door of a car and he crashed into that door, flipped over and ended up in a coma for a couple of days in the hospital. And at the time, he was wearing an extremely expensive bicycle helmet, you know, quote unquote, the best helmet in the world. And he was stunned at how absolutely inadequate that helmet was. So... Uh, he was going to school for design engineering, and so he made his project basically how to design a better helmet that would absorb energy better. So at the young, ripe age of 19, he began testing different materials. He began looking in the natural world for something that would absorb energy very, very well. And what he ended up landing on was a woodpecker. 
And so he had a woodpecker, a stuffed woodpecker that he cut in half. Oh no, Woody! <laughs> it was already, it was already dead. It wasn't. Like it and it cut it. It's not like he feasted on it. Okay. So. Well, okay. <laughs> and so he uh, put the beak under a microscope. And then what he did was he actually took a material of recycled cardboard with a compound to get it to mimic the flex that the woodpecker or the woodpecker beak had in it. And he created a liner for a helmet. Um, the helmet was called Cranium with a K. You can see the video. And, and what he developed was a, a uh, replacement for EPS made out of recycled cardboard that managed energy three times better than EPS did. Uh, the standard drop in a bicycle helmet of an eight-pound head form from 15 feet generates about 250 Gs. With his cranium design, he was able to cut that down to 73 Gs. That's amazing. So, wow. Built the company, started the company here in the U.S. with another group, ended up selling out of the company at a young age. Um, they actually licensed that tech to both Formula One and MotoGP at the time. And so that was kind of the beginning of his understanding of what happens in a helmet. Um, he went on to be a designer for Ferrari at 23. Wow. Uh, then he worked on the F1 team. And so some of the compounds, uh, the specific blends and materials, uh, some of the stuff we do to our paint came out of that experience too, and I'll go on about it. Um, but where I met Ani was I was the national sales manager for Helmet House uh, which manages uh, the distribution of Arai and HAC in the U.S. And they had contacted us to talk to us about distributing their brand. And it was good right until I heard, heard the word smart helmet. Then I was kind of running for the hills, I'll be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> I was like, no. And then I specifically went to see them at the AIM Expo two years ago. Wait, we were there, weren't we? Wait. Yeah. The one yeah. in Vegas or the one in Vegas? Ohio? The one uh, in Ohio at this point. because I was there. Ohio. Yeah. You were there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, we sat down and began to talk about it. And he really said, no, no, no. My smart isn't about cool gadgets. We don't have a camera. We don't have heads up. Mm -hmm. My smart is about I've built crash detection into a helmet and actually can pinpoint your location and get you help very, very quickly. So... Um, we first talked quite a bit about the helmet. I think that's the part that really drew me into the company was Ani spent a lot of time developing the helmet chassis. He didn't just take an off-the-shelf helmet, and he didn't just stuff tech in it. And we've seen that done by a couple brands where they just kind of grab whatever helmet they can get. They stuff some Bluetooth or other stuff into it, and the helmet never really sells through that well because A, it probably doesn't fit well, B, they were very heavy, on and on and on. So because he understands weight, because he understands balance, because he understands energy and an impact, we spend a lot of time on our helmets. All of our helmets are, are relatively very lightweight helmets built out of very good materials. What we understand is for every 10% of weight, there's a 20% increase in final impact. That's why we're so conscious of weight. We also understand balance. If you happen to have certain approvals that put a lot of weight on top of the helmet, you're now putting all the weight at the furthest end of a pendulum, which means that part of the helmet's going to swing hardest, which means it's going to increase velocity, hit the ground harder, etc. Uh, having raced for a long time and been around a long time, I've been riding personally, and this is a personal choice, um, DOT EC helmets for some time. 
And I was actually very happy to see that we had DOT EC and needs exceeds FIM, the new racing standard. So I knew he had done his homework on the helmet shells. So we talked about what he had done to the helmets. And then we began to go into the arc chip set that he developed. And what had happened when he was in college, he couldn't afford um, testing for his bicycle helmets. It was just too expensive to take it to a laboratory. So he literally built his own test kit that was made out of a chipset that would go in the helmets themselves. So fast forward uh, about a decade and a friend of his riding in India crashes on a Harley, gets caught underneath the bike, isn't severely hurt, but can't reach his phone and can't notify anybody. So hours and hours go by. They finally find him because they can see a blinker blinking off the side of the road. When they got to him, unfortunately, he had nicked his arm. He bled out for about eight hours, mm. and he ended up paralyzed on the left side of his body. And he didn't have a broken bone in his body. It just couldn't get out from underneath his bike. Mm. And um, so that's when he made up his mind that he was going to do something different to help this. And he had been working uh, in the private sector for a while. He had invented uh, he has a couple of Google patents, and he had invented a shirt that can predict heart attacks and all kinds of stuff. So he's a very, very bright guy. And uh, so he began on this journey of creating uh, Quinn, uh, Quinn design. What Quinn means is quintessential design. And kind of what goes behind that is our ethos, which is only the absolutely necessary things need to go in there. We're not about the whistles and bells. We're about the stuff that's most essential. So that means great materials. That means great balance. That means great EPS liners. That means great chips, you know, headsets, et cetera. So we really try to keep focused on what we're doing and not be everything to everybody. We want to be really good at what we do. Um, so uh, we brought out uh, the Quinn Spitfire, which was a polycarbonate. Uh, that's our entry-level full face. Uh, but that thing comes in at about 3.3 pounds, which for a poly helmet is pretty respectable weight-wise. Um, all of our helmets have the exact same technology in them as far as the chipset and the Bluetooth. Yes, ma'am, that is it. Mm. And all of them also have uh, a patented uh, EPS called Conehead EPS. Have you guys heard of that before? No. Mm. We're not talking about the SNL skit, right? No, we are not. Okay. Just <laughs> we did not. No, we did not stuff yeah. Dan Aykroyd in there, so he cushions <laughs> the blood. <laughs> So um, Bell's used it over the years. Uh, Cowley's used it. A few other brands have used it. So strategic. And we make no bones about who manufactures our helmet. We are the manufacturer of record because we design it and we pay to have it made. But strategic is our manufacturer. And they're, our, they're a, a U.S.-owned Chinese company. Um, they're the biggest overall helmet company in the world, building 14 million plus helmets a year. And they do equestrian and baseball and football. Mm, and, right. So they're a very, very big factory. Um, and... They're our partner in this project, and uh, they have a patented technology called Conehead. And what it is is a harder outer EPS, a softer inner EPS. But when they go together, they have these three-sided kind of like pyramids that plug together. And the whole theory behind it is when the energy comes into the outer shell, it begins to flex to, to disperse energy. When it hits that EPS, that EPS is going to drive down to that triangle, and then it's going to disperse that energy in three directions off of that cone as opposed mm. to straight down. Then it's going to hit other cones and it's going to redistribute that energy again. So the whole idea is energy goes down and then spreads out throughout the helmet as opposed to through the helmet into your skull. So it's just a better way to manage energy. Plus you can make it a little bit thinner and a little bit lighter with a much better absorbing property. So you can shave some weight on the helmet too while doing all this. So that's our, our liner of choice that we're currently using inside the helmet. And then inside of that, we do something a little bit different. We have a three-layer foam interior 
And the last layer, and you'll be able to see this tomorrow because the helmet didn't get there, but the last layer uh, feels a lot like a memory foam. It's very soft. And the reason we went with that is that type of foam um, is a lot more durable to sweat and oils than a standard foam is. Mm -hmm. But also it allows you to fit a lot more face types in one helmet because it forms to you as opposed to having to break down to fit you better. Now, see, this uh, does this come from your experience or did they already figure this out? Because only a true rider knows how many people have trouble finding a helmet that fits their head just right. Well, you know, I mean, being in the industry myself, I mean, the, the, the current joke amongst helmet shoppers is, do you have an awry head or do you have a showy head? Yeah. And, and for, for the most part, uh, those being two of the older brands, they both definitely had very distinct fits. Um, Arai began to build showy shaped helmets as well to bring in that crowd to their to their helmet fit. Showy never diverted away from the intermediate oval. They always stayed with their very straightforward intermediate right. oval. Um, we have an intermediate oval helmet. We have a round oval in our three quarter helmet, and our new modular probably leans a little bit more towards Arai. It's a little bit rounder. It's a little more forgiving. It's going to fit more heads than the, the typical narrow oval or long oval would. So Now, see, and, and I've been fortunate in that I don't have a misshapen head like Emma, so I'm able to fit most ha, helmets. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> You're so yeah. cruel to me. But you I've, know, I, Tim, I brought up those two helmets for a very specific reason. Yeah. Because when I was looking through the specs of your product, the thing that impressed me the most, now we get a lot of people on here doing a sales pitch. Sure. And they've got the greatest stuff, and then the price comes up. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God. And you try and be kind, but yeah. in your head, you're thinking, who the hell can afford this? Yeah. The yeah. price of yours. This is within reach to everyone. And that's the thing that I'm so impressed with. You've got all this technology. But when I saw how much it was, I thought, hang on, that's, well, a, that's a reasonable price. But before yeah. you say the price, so, Jim, on average, because um, you've, you've got a bunch of helmets, some, some more expensive than others. What is an yeah. average helmet price for you? I would say between uh, now between four fifty and seven hundred bucks. All right, and um, then you also add your Bluetooth, your Senna, which runs yep, about how much? A couple of hundred bucks. And then add, yeah, a couple hundred bucks. You yeah. also have your Spot that you ride with, so that yep. if you get into trouble, you send me a message of where you're pooping. That's what, yep, Garmin just so you know, Tim, yep, that's one of his uh, pre-programmed things. When he's pooping, he'll send me a message. It's very nice. Yes, I know. I, get, I, I, I tend to get in trouble in there. And uh -uh. so all in, how much do you think you are on these things that are essential items for you? Yeah, that's interesting. I would say a grand. Easy a grand. All right. I mean, by the time you add up the helmet and you throw in tax and stuff like that, um, yeah, easily a grand. Yeah. I mean, it's up there. So, Tim, you want to tell everyone the price of your helmet that has universal bluetooth uh, with the microphone and speakers it's got the sos beacon and the crash detection and is dot certified dotc okay what yeah the, the only helmet's dot is a three-quarter everything else okay. is dual homologated great yeah. what is the retail price um well let me preface that for one second mm -hmm. with um 
when they came to the conversation, I was pushing them very hard to go uh, to go dealer direct mm-hmm. for that very reason. If you were to distribute this helmet, you'd be looking at a $900 helmet, you know, roughly that for the top end helmet and about 500 for the Spitfire. By going dealer direct and not having somebody in the middle, we were able to go to market with a three quarter helmet with all the tech in it for $299. Uh, the polycarbonate helmet uh, that also has a drop-down sun visor inside and all the same tech is $399 retail. And then a 2.8-pound carbon fiber wonder called the Ghost uh, comes to market at $539 or $569. And can we talk about the new one yet? Are we allowed to mention what's coming up? <gasps> All right. No one can see the video, so they can't see what we're seeing. <laughs> wow. Just imagine magic. So you want to describe <laughs> what you have there? Because this is not on the website. Yeah, it's not on the website. So we're we're about to do a national release on this helmet. Um, Ani's worked on this quite a while. Um, this is the new Quest, which is a, it's a modular helmet. But we designed it to be either a adventure modular or to be worn as a standard modular helmet. So it's very versatile for dealers to carry this helmet and cover a very broad spectrum of the market with it. I'm very interested in this helmet because I wear a modular adventure helmet with a Senna Bluetooth on it. So, uh, I mean, I'm already in the like $600 range on that which is fine I, it's not about the price it's about these are all the things that i need for my uh, this for my comfort level for what i need um sure so when is this going to be let me rephrase it when can i get one um we're skewing approximate release date as of this conversation for november 15th we're expecting to land plus or minus a week there um so we did a few last minute upgrades. We wanted to uh, increase the detent on the drop down shield to have a little more cam to it. You know, you wanted to bring it to market right. So I've been riding it, testing it, uh, quieting it down, looking for different things we can do to it. So we're ready to go uh, pretty much at this point. Um, but we're, we're skewing about November 15th, roughly, for this helmet to come in and then go to market. Okay, I'll rephrase the question When can I get mine? Um, <laughs> apparently November 16th <laughs> very soon we'll, uh, we'll get you we'll get you something out um, we but, uh, go ahead go ahead but, you know yeah, Liza's grifting notwithstanding <laughs> technology <laughs> is as good as people can afford And to bring these things in, really, that's top-of-the-line HJC money. Yes. And to have all this technology for that kind of money, it really is a wonderful opportunity. And um, you can send me your free helmet anytime. (laughs) (laughs) But it, it really is a fantastic opportunity to bring these things in at that price that is by far the most impressive thing for me yeah and and i have a question i'm sorry if you already answered it but what do you know what the retail on the on the november 15th one would be it's 6.99 on the on the quest okay sure. so um I, all right so just so you guys yeah. know that's the helmet comes in at about uh with the visor off 
uh, 3.66 pounds. Wow. Okay. Uh, with wow. the visor on at 3.8 pounds. And to put that into perspective, a Shoei Neotech comes in at about 4.2 pounds. And by the time you put in the uh, SRL system, you're right at about four and a half pounds. So we're almost a pound lighter uh, than that system without the visor on the helmet. And can I get it in sunburst orange with unicorns? So yes, you can. And let me tell you how. So one <laughs> thing else, a lot of a lot of what I've tried to bring to this is is you know 35 years of being in this industry yeah. and, and riding since I was a child. And one of the common problems you have as both a distributor and a dealer is you end up with a bunch of extra small green helmets that nobody wants. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we are going to a bit more of a neutral scheme on our helmets of the carbon uh, with a uh, matte carbon with a gray type logo, which, you know, you can see in the pictures and you can see here on this. Mm -hmm. But what we're doing is we're creating kits that are going to be about 3% 3% larger or so, um, and they're going to be uh, UV stickers, which they've used in Bicycle World forever, and we use UV stickers on our helmets. So you put them on, put them on UV light, and they permanently bond to the helmet. So we're going to create these sticker kits in Cowie Green and Yamaha Yellow, or excuse me, Yamaha Blue and Suzuki Yellow and uh, Ducati Red. And if you want to put some color into your helmet, then you can buy these kits. They should be somewhere around the $20 mark. Put them on your helmet, put them in the sun, they permanently adhere to it, and you can do some custom stuff to your helmet. So we really wanted to think out of the box on how people can do a little bit of colorizing. And, you know, dealers don't have to stock five different helmets in order to offer that. Oh, Tim, darling, we all need a little bit more color in our lives. (laughs) Yes, we do. (laughs) So, all right, Tim, here's here's a little surprise for you. I don't know if you've noticed, but we've been joined by a special guest who's come on tonight because she's very interested in this topic. Joining us now, (laughs) Dr. Detroit, it's Tamar. How you doing? I'm sorry I was harassing nurses before I left, so I'm a little late joining. <laughs> so, Tim, uh, Tamar is a friend of ours. She is a doctor, an ER doctor, and a <laughs> avid writer. And I was telling her about these helmets, that it's not just that there's tech in it, but it's safety. Safety uh, in the impact and safety in the alert, you know, the SOS message. And she was very intrigued. And um, as an ER doctor, she sees people come in all the time. Sure. And and um, so we brought her on to ask the really tough questions. Go ahead, Tamar. Okay. So, uh, and also I have a research background in traumatic brain injury. Actually, okay. I'm doing research where I binked rats on the head. And Don't tell me that. Brain. Don't oh. tell me that. <laughs> in a humane way. There, no, uh, no. But, uh, my, my whole night just got better. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but this may have been answered because I know with the tech and stuff, so, and it's, uh, what is it? You said it's not approved. Um, Currently, our helmets um, on the full faces are DOT and ECE. ECE. Um, yes. We do not plan to go for a Snell approval. I won't really go into that other than EC's new 2206 is going to be a phenomenal test. The 2205 is already a phenomenal test, but the 2206 will hands down be the best test I've ever seen in my 35 years. A five-axle test, whereas Snell is a single-axial test, and I don't want to go down that road tonight. But that's what we feel is the correct one for us to follow the path. And then we're working with FIM as well as they continue to develop and build out their race uh, specs for their testing as well. So, okay. 
So uh, one of my questions is, like, with the technology, like Eliza was telling me, I think it's amazing, especially for, like, uh, people that ride on their own in different spots. But as yeah. far as impact studies, slide studies, and how it would impact the actual, you know, like, alert systems with their, you know, have there been studies to show, like, would it actually uh, damage it? Would it still be intact depending on the type of impact a rider might have? So we our, our entire chipset is about the size of a nickel, okay. believe it or not. And we actually embed it in a, a plastic housing along with the speakers and the battery. So that's an integrated piece that goes in the helmet. Um, could it be damaged? I would imagine, but the signal for the actual accident with location goes out in roughly 0.25 to 0.29 milliseconds. It goes out very, very quickly. Okay. Um, the two uh, testimonials we received in the last uh, month both kind of showcased worst-case scenarios of what could happen and things we've done to prevent that. So the first gentleman was driving. Somebody in front of him wasn't paying attention, slammed on the brakes. He ended up low-siding the motorcycle. Uh, when he hit the ground, his phone flew off the bike, flew into the road, and got run over. He didn't really know whether it had gone out or not, but actually the signal went out fine. We'd already, when you get the 10 second countdown, when we recognize either an SOS or a crash, that's really for you to stop it in case somehow that happened accidentally. We've already received your location at our server and we're waiting for you to say yes or no. And then at 10 seconds, it goes out. Um, his wife was able to call EMT services and 911 and they actually had EMT on scene in seven minutes, which is almost on of right yeah i mean you know the time it takes for a motorcycle accident compared to a car accident it's ludicrous and so the second case was a gentleman turned right car ran the intersection drunk driver pinned him between two cars he actually hit the ground front of his helmet got run over by the front tire and he went under the car Oof. now he came out of it okay he got i think broke his pelvis he got hurt but he came out alive but he had forgotten to reconnect his crash detection to his phone. Now, once you've connected once, when you begin to move, if your helmet's on, our arc ship will actually detect that you're moving again. And it kind of runs quietly, silently in the background, whether it shows it's actively connected. So when he did get hit, we actually did send out a signal to his contacts. And again, they were able to call emergency services and have them on scene very, very quickly. So we've kind of built in some foolproof stuff there that if you forget, we're there watching for you as well. Um, everything we get from you is from your phone. You decide what we do or don't get. In the case of a crash, we're there watching over your shoulder like an angel to some degree as much as we can. And so that's really what we've done. And since you're a doctor, you'll understand this part a little bit more. Um, we actually are going into contract with Rapid SOS. Do you know that group? Yes. Okay, so Rapid SOS has quickly taken over pretty much all the nine ones in the country. They have a very sophisticated technology, can pretty much pinpoint telephones very well. So accurately, you could be on a roller coaster and they can see their demo is a roller coaster where you can see a person moving on the roller coaster. Mm -hmm. So we're the only non emergency services company in the US and helmet company that's contracting with them. Um, as of next March, you will be able to sign up for an add-on service with Quinn to where you will have uh, your blood type, your name, your insurance, everything registered in the app. If you crash, it'll not only hit your emergency contacts, it'll immediately contact EMT services with your location. What? Wow. And you get some worst-case scenario accidents, too. So that's yeah. 
amazing. Um, I will be purchasing one in your helmet. So. Cha-ching! There you go, Tim. Well, just like the, that. The other, thing, <laughs> the other thing we're going to be able to do for doctors is, you know, if the patient releases it, we can actually reenact more or less what had happened in the case of that accident. Because we have we have dual accelerometers, mm. 200 G accelerometers in this helmet. We have a gyro in this helmet. We have an electronic compass in this helmet. So we know how fast you're going, what direction you're going, how hard you hit, how many times you hit. And we know whether you're moving or not after an accident. We have protocols we're looking for immediately after an accident to tell how severe it is. And over time, with our AI running in the background, we're going to be able to determine the severity of that accident. We're going to know, is this an ambulance or is this an air flight? You know, right. To some degree. Yeah. And in our app, once the signal goes off, and I'll, I'll work with you on this, Liza, when you get the helmet, you can actually tap it a second time, and it actually gives you um, your latitude and longitude specifically. So if they're sending a chopper, they know exactly where to put down. So we're really, you know, we're really bringing a lot more than we're talking about. Um, the other thing we do with our app is we really eliminate any false positives. So some of the other software um, phone-based crash detection systems are, are real notorious for getting hit or getting dropped and sending out a signal that you've crashed. And that's not going to happen in a Quinn helmet. Uh, with Quinn, if the helmet's on, you're walking and you drop it. We're going to register that drop, and if it's hard enough, you're going to detect saying you just put 80 Gs or 70 Gs into your helmet. You might want to check it. If you're that person, we all have a friend like this that drops their helmet, oh, I don't know, every hour. Um, <laughs> if you drop it often enough, you're going to detect saying you've dropped your helmet X amount of times at X amount of Gs. You've compromised the EPS. It's time to replace your helmet. At three years, you're going to get a text saying your helmet is three years old. You might want to check it. It may be time to replace it. Oh, snitched on my <laughs> own helmet. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and then uh, you know, so the reality is, from our standpoint, I think the thing that excites me most when you look down the road three to five years is we're going to have the most empirical data of what actually goes on in a crash of any helmet company in history. And mm. we're going to be able to begin to design helmets differently and smarter and better than they've ever been designed historically because we know exactly what happens in a crash. So basically every Quinn design helmet uh, purchaser is going to be a crash dummy. I did oh, not no. say that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's better than it's better than hitting rats on the head with a hammer. That's true. No, I, I didn't think, hit him in the head with a hammer with well, a weight. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> they just got a little. They just got a wonky. You know, they weren't really out for the count. Um, the good part. Of, the good part is this long term too. Is if I could step back, you know, and give you the ten thousand foot view of what yeah. Ani's dream is for Quinn period. So we've already completed a project with Abbas in Germany. We have Abbas bicycle smart helmets now, Abbas Quinn helmets. Um, that's a really brilliant piece where you pick the helmet up, it turns on, you put the helmet down, it turns off. Um, we have tied into several different apps to where it can measure your energy burn. You can, you can build an entire trip for the day. You know, if it's gonna rain, you know what the air quality is, we give you all that stuff. And we've built several protocols. We have a geofencing protocol that we're going to look at for kids where parents can geofence them in. If they go outside of it, parents will know. Okay. Also, we also have an anti-kidnap protocol that if that kid's pedaling along at 10 miles an hour and suddenly they're doing 65 and the parents X amount away from them, they're going to get pinged right away saying, why is your kid going 60 miles an hour? So 
we're trying to think forward on a lot of things, but the, the 10,000 foot view is we're working with an OEM doing crash detection rollover in their vehicles. We're working with um, talking to some e-bike companies. We have some equestrian products. So we have all this stuff we're working on, but net net, what we would like to do is create this Quinn net of users. All right. And so long term, the hope is if something bad happens as a user, you can opt in that you can help other people and they will be pinged and say, somebody two miles from you just had an accident. Would you like to help them? So they may be the nearest person. Go ahead, Jim. All right. So, um, so I got a really important question. Sure. How is the sound quality? Ooh. That, and that's fine yeah. because you know, <laughs> we're, we're very clear about we, you know, we have not put a lot of focus on acoustics at this point. The sound quality is decent. Um, total decibels were about two dBs more than just about any Bluetooth out in the market. So total volume, we have a little bit more than most. Um, I would say something like a Cardo JBL at low to medium volume is crispier without question. Won't even argue that. Um, but we're also doing this with a speaker that's half the size of theirs. It's a much higher quality mm. speaker to fit in this housing. And we're doing it with a, a higher quality, smaller speaker. So for the most part, it's pretty livable. You're only going to get so much sound out of you know a small speaker. What I can tell you is we're embarking on a very big project with, with, some, with a major Bluetooth company. Um, to look at whether it's going to make sense. We're a company that would prefer to partner with technology than reinvent it on something like Bluetooth. We've got bigger things we're trying to do. So that's well underway. By next year, you will begin to see helmet-to-helmet connection uh, come from Quinn, I, probably towards summertime, realistically, uh, in one form or another. But definitely, in the interim, we're working on another item, which is a push-to-talk button. And what that will allow you to do is use a WhatsApp or, or Google Meet or whatever. You connect up to 100 people and you just kind of talk through your phone to phone to phone. Does that like get grinder? Oh, God almighty, <laughs> what? Liza. What? That's, that's, what, I, that's, what I thought, that's where I thought he was going. It's got yeah. a dating app built in. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No Tinder. Um, no. If you tap, you know, it's, it's, if you tap down, it, it's, it swipes right. If you tap twice, There you go. See? Right. So, Tim. It back. Hold on. How do you know I've, I've, I've had my hand up. I've had my hand up, Emma. I get to go first. Oh, don't mention Grinder. I won't. Okay. All right. So, Tim, usually uh, when we have guests like you on, I get to take the liberty to give them some of my own advice of what I think they should do with their company. I'm going to take that pass and I'm going to hand mine to Tamar because I think somebody with her background may actually have some good tips or advice of what she would like to see in a helmet. Tamar, this is your chance. You've got the guy. What do you want to see? And maybe not just in a helmet, maybe in gear, because it sounds like Ani is a smart guy and they're looking to make a difference in anything. What do you think you want to see that would change uh, injuries coming into the ER? Um, Well, like I said, like when I spoke with you guys before um, about impact, if it's bad, it's bad. A a helmet is not going to do anything, but... uh, Everything right now is sounding excellent. Like, uh, far as seeing in the helmet, one quality, um, it just has to be comfortable. You got it has to be affordable um, to market something like this because people do like style, and you know people skip safety over style. Sure. So, um, you know, with something being safe, marketable, 
affordable, catching someone's eye. Um, that's uh, that's what I see. Like everything I've heard is is wonderful. Um, my, you know, it has to be able far as like a, a severe impact is. It doesn't matter, you know. Um, but uh, like far as uh, moderate, mild to moderate impact, slight injuries, you know, to have the protective specs. Uh, uh, like, honestly, I'm kind of amazed about what I just heard. So this is what I want to see in a helmet. Okay. Well, I think the thing you'll like, too, on that end is one of the reasons we focused a lot on weight, especially for women, is heavy helmets are not fun. Um, if you're a passenger and don't know when you're accelerating and braking, you're bobbleheading all day. If you have a heavy helmet on, you're doing a track day or you're doing a long ride for a day, you feel it in your neck at the end of the day. So by having a very balanced helmet, like you could turn our helmets upside down and right side up, and you don't feel a substantial difference in their weight. They're very balanced throughout. So much so, we run three batteries in our helmet as opposed to one big battery on the side like most Bluetooths do. So again, there's balance, and it gives it a slightly longer battery life as well. Um, even the paint job on the Umbra, which you're going to receive uh, there, um, it is a two-tone burgundy and gloss uh, carbon helmet. But even on the... Uh, the the burgundy it's not a paint we actually pull the helmet off production we put a jig on it we bleach the carbon fiber white we dye the carbon fiber red then we clear coat the helmet that way you save literally an ounce of paint but it's an ounce so mm -hmm. it makes the helmet as light as you can possibly make it on all of our matte finishes you're going to laugh at me but our matte finishes i'll dare any helmet company to try and be as tough as our matte finishes are we do a treatment and this is what they do on the front of f1 cars is they put a binder in the paint so at a molecular level we actually put felt in our coating that matte coating we put on the outside of our matte helmets that acts like a binder it's done that it's put in there so that if you're doing 200 miles an hour in an f1 car and you catch a rock in the front of the carbon fiber it doesn't shatter the paint and doesn't chip the, the the carbon fiber so our helmets are extremely durable they're extremely scratch proof um our matte finishes is tough as nails it's crazy tough so so that's marketable to cross-country riders too yeah. like people that do the iron butt because in people like i ride far um and you know far as the stress on your neck and with it being that light i i, I see there's a good you know just not a track day you know something that's comfort you know no strain on your neck because actually that starts affecting you later on in life um uh, far as with your curvature in your neck um and uh, ventilation is the, the next thing we're taking on too simply oh, because that never works well the new helmet when you see the quest and i'll get you know out to you if you look at the top of our quest there is a monstrously large i don't have enough light probably to see it there mm. ah. oh Boy. yeah yeah okay i see it yeah. mm -hmm. okay this right. is an event with two small holes going through the shell that is the actual size of the entire venting mechanism going into the helmet. It is massive. I've never seen a vent as big as this on a helmet. We had to do a structural design around that in order to ensure it would pass the impact test from ECE. And that vent is huge. Underneath it, in the top of the EPS, are like half-inch striations. They're super deep. So that thing is going to flow a ton of air across the top of your head. Um, and we really wanted to push the limits on how much ventilation you can get into a helmet. And then underneath that vent, we actually put a rubber gasket when it's closed. 
it's closed, mm-hmm. not going to leak, not going to get cold air leaking through that thing. So um, we wanted to really on the mechanical side of the helmet, get all that under our belt and build a very, very great chassis. And then we're going to attack things like because we designed the helmet, we're looking at things like acoustic chambers for a little bit of bass and sound systems. And we're looking for different things we can do down the road and differently. And then last but not least, how do we move beyond cell phone signaling and move towards satellite signaling? And that'll come at some point. So, Jim, did you have a question? Oh, you know, uh, just a comment. But um, one thing I thought was cool, you already have accelerometers built into the helmet, it sounds like. And I think yeah. a really cool innovation we've also seen, friends of the podcast, Break Free Tech. And this mm-hmm. is, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but it's a its a brake light basically on the back of your helmet. But it operates with accelerometers. So, you know, it, oh. it shows you slowing down whether you're using the brakes or you just roll off the throttle and you slow down. And I've been able to ride. we, we They gave us one, what, a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. Liza? And you and I ride enough that I see it all the time. And and I tell you, as far as prevent, it's great to be able to do the, the forensics after a crash, but preventing, that's sure. the name of the game. And I tell you what, that brake-free tech uh, light that's integrated with accelerometers seems like it's something right up your alley. And if you've already got some of the stuff in there, it would seem like, I don't know, something maybe to consider. Yeah, uh, I've, anyway, known those guys for, uh, I've known those okay. guys since inception. Um, I've done a lot of consulting over the years. Yeah. Just- uh, with a lot of companies just trying to get them where they need to go in there. They're good people over there and uh, it's a good product. Um, there's a couple different companies out there doing something similar, but they're, they're definitely nice. All right. I have another question. I'm going back to paint schemes again. I know you said you got some stickers, but I got a request and I'm thinking I might have an edge with this request. Okay. Has this got a unicorn too? No. Is oh, there any way I can get it custom matched? To my Africa twin. Okay. Uh, don't be leveraging me because I'm buying an Africa twin. <laughs> Guess who wants an Africa twin? Tim does. You, you might you might have something there. I don't know. <laughs> I thought I thought you were gonna ask if you can do uh, stickers in evil can evil style. Oh uh, no, uh, no. No, here's the thing. You know, talking about again, this just brought up the whole conversation about the the tech. In, in in gear and in the motorcycle industry. And that's, I was telling him how I wanted to get the DCT because to me, that is a, it's a new tech in motorcycles. I wanted to not only try it, I wanted to understand it because I feel like it is the future. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I love, I love it. And then to hear these uh, things with this helmet that I hadn't thought about about how it's it's creating a report for the er docs and and sending a message i'm like whoa i didn't even i didn't even consider that well even uh, it it all ties in yeah i mean even a spot i mean and i'm by no means am i mocking or making fun of it but the biggest problem with the spot is if you get knocked out who's pulling the pin yeah exactly jim so how about that son <laughs> yeah, is that? Uh, who's yeah? If you, get, if that, that, you should try adventure writing sometime, Liza. Then you can comment. <laughs> oh, twin in the dirt. Oh, 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 wow. <laughs> but that's where we can come to a company like that with yeah. some solutions and create an interface where, you know, just another layer of safety. If you were to get incapacitated, we could do that for you. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're trying to do is take the next step beyond you having to actively do something if you can't. That's the biggest problem. And um, trying to eliminate, you know, 
just the inability of doing some of those things. And as you know, work in the emergency room, I mean, we've met with emergency services all over the country. And the biggest thing we hear from them is, is straightforward two things. One, the average city crash in America on a motorcycle is about an hour and a half from time of wreck to the time that you really get proper treatment mm-hmm. on average because you got to figure out who they are and what's their registration and blah, blah, blah. And it takes longer to slow cars down and figure out if somebody's hurt on a bike as opposed to a car. And there's a million reasons. In the country, it's two and a half hours to the time they get to the hospital. Yeah. It's, it's a huge amount of time. And, and to a doctor we've talked with, they all said, if you can get us closer to that golden hour, we can yep. save 50% more people, period. That is our number one goal as a company is to shorten the time frame for when bad things happen or you run out of talent and get you help as fast as humanly possible and get you the right kind of help. That's our first and foremost goal. Get them the right help, save their life. Everything after that is just an add-on. Right now, it's about get them the right help as quickly as possible. That's what really matters. I have a final question about your helmets because we've talked about a great deal. The safety is great. The price is fantastic. The style's great. A lot of riders wear ear protection. Yep. I don't. And it's not really out of laziness. I prefer to hear what's going on around me. But as you well know from your days at Helmet House, there are very noisy helmets and yep. there are quieter helmets. Where do the Quinn helmets come in? Are they on the quieter side or on the noisier side? Um so I'll answer you as best as I can just from a real rider experience. When you're building a glass helmet, i.e. fiberglass, yes. or a heavier helmet, they're going to tend to be quieter. It's a denser yeah. material. Right. And right? this is why my alarm bells are going up just a little bit, because with the lightness of your helmets comes the resonance. It's, it's not so resonance much, takes yeah, your hearing out. It's, it's not even so much the lightness. It's the carbon fiber that res- right. has a high resonance. So... Um, next to that, you go into polycarbonate, still pretty quiet, doesn't doesn't amplify the sound quite as much. Then you move into carbon fiber, which absolutely 100% will amplify sound. So underneath the carbon fiber on this helmet, we run a layer of Kevlar. Kevlar does two things. One, it'll help spread that energy or, or disperse that energy over a broader yep. area. Fiberglass will fracture, Kevlar will bend and disperse. Number two, that Kevlar will help deaden the sound from traveling or resonating in that carbon fiber. And then it goes to the EPS and the foam. Part of why we do the memory foam. Creates a slightly better ear cup, quiet things down a little bit uh, for you. And I can't use memory foam, but that type of foam is what I should say. Um, Quiets it down a little bit, creates a little bit better ear cup inside the helmet so you can hear Bluetooth. I tend to wear acoustic uh, uh, earplugs. I don't know if you know the difference between that and the standard earplug, but acoustic plugs... Um, the ones I use come from um, Pinlock, and basically they're a rubber plug on the outside, and they have a hard plastic center with like five little pinholes. That cuts anywhere from four to six decibels out of ambient noise, road noise, whatever, and lets me hear the Bluetooth system a little more crispy without uh-huh. the other ambient noise coming in, so you don't get that blend of black that nobody wants to listen to. Is um, that like to- eargasm? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Okay. It's, it's actually an earplug. I have it. It's called eargasm. Okay. We're, no, are we back to grinder again? Okay. No, the way, the way you look at it, a lot of uh, musicians will use acoustic plugs where they have that little centerpiece. So it doesn't really, it deadens the outside noise, not really what right. you're specifically listening to, but down to the noise. So on the um, 
on the Spitfire, we have a lot of people that converted from a lot of helmets, and it definitely falls on the quieter side. Uh, we have one rider instructor in Texas who's ridden the Rye for 20 years, has now put in 15 or 20,000 miles in our Spitfire already, and and went and bought a second one. Won't go away from it. Loves it. Quieter, right. cleaner, easier. On the Ghost, it is louder than the Spitfire without question. Um, before this helmet, I was riding in an HAC Arfa. Uh, 11, which is a, a their own proprietary blend, sort of like fiberglass. I'd say the Ghost, for the most part, is slightly quieter than that Arfa 11 was. Um, is it, it one of the quieter helmets I've ever ridden? No, it's not the quietest helmet, you know. But for me, I know what I want in a helmet, which is clean in the air, uh, lightweight, balanced, right. and and it's not unlivable. Now, we are working on some different running changes to the bottom of the ghost um both like this helmet you'll notice has a collar can you see this whole yep bottom mm -hmm. piece right yep so we're looking at pieces like that for the ghost or we're looking to do a treatment somewhat like shoe birth and the new neotech do they actually run this chat uh, the chin strap through the cheek pad so when you pull it down it pulls that area down on the bottom tighter to you that's where you always get the wind noise so I know, like, riding the ghost, by shrugging my shoulders, I can quiet that helmet down 20%. So now we need to find the way to do the same thing without shrugging my shoulders. So I've been working on that for the last two months, and that's coming. Uh, John right. Dalton wants to know thank if... You, thank you. John, Dal sorry. John Dalton wants to know if it is fireproof. Yeah. I mean, not like the kids these days say fire, like, oh, you know, that's fire, but like literally fireproof. I'm a little concerned about you right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, um, the right now I've been talking to Hannah S on the Quinn design thing and um, and she's been really cool about, you know, I, I've, I've been measuring my head and everything. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, there's there's people you can chat with. Yeah, on, she, on, we're on, live every day. I mean, we we are live. Yeah. And we we will walk you through how to measure properly. Okay. Um, yeah. And you know we can fit you very very well. We do that on a regular basis. But Hannah is one of our actually our co-owners, believe it or not. She's the oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, cool. So you know, I'll tell her. I'll tell her you said hi. Yeah. No. I'm we're like, yeah, we're recording now. And we have we haven't <laughs> said yet. You want to tell everyone the website so they can go check these out themselves. Yeah. You want me to say that? Sure. I can. <laughs> Timisawesome.com. <laughs> well, we already no. knew that, darling. <laughs> it's uh, it's Quinn, Q-U-I-N dot design. Yeah, I'm on uh, yeah. there right now. And what is your handle on Grinder? <laughs> that was a trap um yeah quinn designs qui and go check it out um yeah. and the thing about you tim you have quite the background in the industry you want to rattle off some of the uh companies you've worked for you're a career yeah. guy i am a career guy yeah i uh left the army got out first thing i bought was a motorcycle got back on the road again i grew up drag racing dirt bike racing I went to work for a bike shop for about, I was a school teacher actually is what I was huh? finishing up and went to work in a bike shop one summer. Three months later, I was running it. Six months later, I was on the road doing outside sales. 
And so I uh, went to work for a company called Nichols, which was an older distributor that was around back in the day. I did that for about two years. Went to work for Tucker Rocky for mm-hmm. almost a decade. From Tucker, I went to Indian Motorcycles, the director of business development, the nice. Gilroy Indian. Let's be yeah, I remember oh. those guys. Oh, Wait a minute. Do you, do you know Darren Cady's? Yes. Josh. Yeah, too. Darren. He's so. been on the show also. Yeah, so worked there, and then uh, from there I went to work at uh, Western Power Sports as a national uh-huh. sales manager, and built them from a little regional to a very, very, very big company they are now. Yeah, and uh, then I left there, and uh, I brought Leo Vinci to Western. Leo Vinci wanted somebody to set up in the U.S. and launch Leo Vinci Exhaust, so I started Leo Vinci USA for them, and built that up. And that morphed into Speed Mob Incorporated, which was my company for another seven years. And then at some point, I decided I wanted to sleep at night and actually have fun riding again. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, went to work for Helmet House as their national sales manager and helped position them to sell that company. Both those owners were in their 70s and really fine gentlemen had done a great job and they wanted to position that thing to sell, which we did. And uh, then I went and got my back rebuilt. Uh, I had uh, L3, 4, and 5, had to get new discs in there. I did a few too many years of judo and crashing on motorcycles. So uh, I'm uh, back. I'm an inch and a half taller. And not that it matters, but I am. And I'm very proud of that inch and a half being walking 5'8 <laughs> now. Thank you very much. <laughs> and um, and uh, now uh, I, uh, in the interim, uh, literally a week after uh, I had left Helmet House, I got a phone call from Hannah and uh, they said, hey, we'd really like to meet with you. And, and part of it was just, you know, one of my mantras has always been if somebody calls me, I call them back. If, I've always tried to treat this company or this industry like it's um, an industry full of friends and that's kind of what it is. So uh, there, There's something know. else on your resume you left off that I'm impressed with. Oh, I am a board member for the Motorcycle Industry Council. Yes. There it is. Oh, sweet. <laughs> yes. That, yeah. that is important. Um, we've yeah. had Robert Panja on the show before. I just I talked mean, to Robert about 40 minutes ago. <laughs> oh, nice. You know, and it's so funny talking to you. We find out we know so many of the same people. Yeah. And uh, it sounds like we've been at some of the same places. That I can't believe yeah. we hadn't met yet. Um, but, yeah, the Motorcycle Industry Council, I mean, it's really important for a lot of different reasons, especially uh, to try and, as we've been saying, like trying to save the motorcycle industry, which who knew a global pandemic would be the thing. That would save us. Yeah. Yeah. I know, yeah. right? Um, yeah. yeah. Jim, what you got? 40, oh, oh yeah. nothing. You just you mentioned the global pandemic. It's popped into my mind. I was in Hollister yesterday picking up some parts over at Hollister Power Sports, the Indian dealer mm-hmm. currently. And part of their showroom is Honda Kawasaki dirt bikes. And they usually have dozens of dirt bikes. Nothing. Yesterday, they mm-hmm. literally had seven, I think. Yeah. A couple of kids. Yeah couple of 250 i mean I you couldn't shocked. find this summer you couldn't find a personal watercraft you couldn't find a utv you couldn't find a dirt bike which when we find it some measurements on it about 42 percent of all units sold from march through about uh, july were all brand new never before power sports people right. which is stunning and you can't find a campground open you can't find a camp trailer i mean it's it's great to see families actually being families again well you yeah. know what's even weirder there's a segment we sometimes do on our show called the craigslist porn pick where i'll go and find 500 dollar, you know bikes on craigslist yeah. and there were none <laughs> I, I there were a couple but they were like i kid you not a a moped with no motor or like a roached out 1960s Honda with no seat or, you know, it's like, 
What? I, like I there was well, nothing, and I and that was I checked in the Bay Area. I checked in Bakersfield. I checked in Dallas. I checked <clears throat> in Atlanta. Like I was going on Craigslist all over the country. Yeah. There's nothing except for the I, one I, the one full bike I found <laughs> that had registration back fees was what I now consider the ugliest bike. It was a Suzuki Intruder. There you go, John Dalton. <laughs> <laughs> no, not I, quite uh, the bottom of the barrel. In <laughs> looking for this uh, Africa Twin, you know, I have this uh, Ninja One Thousand, mm-hmm. and I have this Goldwing I bought when my back was so bad it was the only thing I left I could ride. Then I fell in love with the stupid thing, but. I pull it into these dealerships and they're like salivating over the trade in. It just cracks me up. I mean, it's, you really get an amazing amount of money for a trade in on a bike right now too, because used bikes are just flying out the door. They're making good money on them. So they're definitely wanting used bikes. It's a good time to buy. There's some deals out there. So, but yeah, I mean, it definitely helps. Um, and there's some stuff coming, like you mentioned, that really is going to be key. I mean, part of our concern and I think anybody's concern should be as we see autonomous cars come into play, um, what's going to happen to the OHV lane? Is it going to be autonomous only and you can no longer ride your motorcycle in that lane? You know, that's mm-hmm. something a lot of people aren't thinking about. We are thinking about it. Um, as autonomous cars come into play, and even quite frankly, Teslas today are the biggest pain in the ass when you're splitting traffic because half these guys are two-handed, you know, two-handed texting on auto drive and it doesn't register that you're coming up in the middle and the car doesn't move. Mm-hmm. So why not build something through Quinn or somebody else that's a beacon that would actually communicate to these autonomous vehicles and tell them, hey, motorcycle's coming, splitting lanes, pull over a foot to the left. California problems. <laughs> well, you know, you got five states now that are splitting, splitting yeah. lanes, though. It's not just California. I mean, with all the Teslas in the way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. But <laughs> Anywhere I, else, uh, it's a Prius. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think oh, long We term, don't have those in Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the interesting part, too, is like this, uh, the green bike, which is that little rental bike company, you know, and there's a bunch yeah. of them out. Mm-hmm. The biggest trend they saw during all this pandemic was riders for the first time, not just getting a bike from the train station to home or home to the train station or whatever to get around. Suddenly people were riding it for hours and hours and they were joyriding. They're going to the grocery store. They're taking trips on it. They just wanted to get out of their damn house and have a little freedom and enjoy themselves. So this this whole trend began to emerge for these rental motorcycle companies they'd never seen of people just running the bike just to go. You know, it wasn't just it wasn't just transportation anymore. And for us, that's that sign we really want to see is there's a bigger acceptance of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the things we can do, think about if you're a parent and you ride and your kid wants to get a bike, you're always going to be worried. But suddenly you put Quinn on the bike and I'm not just pimping Quinn here, but suddenly you give him some kind of helmet or device that has crash detection in it, you know, it could have some geofencing, it could have a bunch of stuff in it, that suddenly as a parent, you just feel a little bit better. You know, if something happens, you're going to be alerted. It's just, it's not perfect, but it's better than nothing. And it's something to make you feel a little more comfortable letting your child ride. And for me, that's, that's everything if we're going to get more riders in here, you know? Well, and I think in um, one of the testimonials you have, a gentleman, uh, I believe his wife gave him the helmet because they have a brand new baby. Uh, Two weeks later, he crashes. And that's the one that I think they were there within seven minutes, including the wife who's like, oh. Yeah, she couldn't couldn't get home on the phone. So she jumped in the car and went to where it was. So, yeah. Um, But yeah, how amazing that she bought she bought it for him and i get it because i mean jim has that spot and i think half the time it's more for me because he he's my riding buddy but he likes to go off and do rides by himself and i'm like 
I'd feel better if I kind of know where you are. And that's why a lot of times he's sending me an alert that just says, I'm okay, I'm here. Um, so I have a question on the Quinn helmet. I know it's got the impact SOS, but does it also have a, I'm okay, I'm here, or can you hit it with a button while you're pooping? Yeah, so okay. so that's what the SOS <laughs> protocol is. So the, the standard Especially protocol. Pooping. Yeah, exactly. The crash <laughs> protocol automatically goes out. The SOS is a rider-activated yeah. um, live tracking beacon. So say you fall down and get hurt but don't crash and you're trying to limp a bike home or limp yourself home, you can hit SOS, ping your contacts, they can touch their app and call you directly back what's going on. And as you continue to move, that SOS will continue to track your movement so they can meet you somewhere along the way. Worst case scenario, you're in traffic and some crazy is trying to chase you. Again, you can hit SOS and continue to move to get away from that person and your friends can come to wherever you end up at because they can track you to that location. Did you hear that, Tamar? You need that. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she knows why. I've evaded. Yeah. <laughs> she knows why. Yeah. But there's, I, there's I, a, yes. go ahead. Go ahead. I, was say, I, have, I have another question. You were saying like, you refer like to, uh, it sends it to friends or family, whoever does. And I may have missed it. Does it also send it to a, a call center that will automatically dispit, uh, uh, they'll automatically dispatch help or no, are you not relying right. on your friends and family? Yeah, you're relying on friends and family right now. Okay. But uh, like I said, when it moves toward this EMT service down the road a bit here, um, there it will be monitored at that point. Um, the other thing we're going to release, we have a huge new app coming, and this will let you guys spin your minds on this one for the rest mm-hmm. of the night. So when I first went to work with this company, I just sat there and I started thinking about all the ways we could use this device. Like, this chipset because there's a million ways right um think about if your kid plays pop warner football and we can put this chip in their helmet and you're going to know every single head traumatic event that happened that's there. what oh. i wanted to get at for the from technology the, there from the you time go. they're a child yeah. to the time they hit the pros you're going to know exactly where the blow hit them did yeah. it happen in the temple in the back of the head wow. how hard were they hit and now you at least have an idea of how long they need to rest to let that concussion repair itself. That's the number yes. one problem is when you have a stud athlete and they get dinged, you want to put them back in the game next week and they may need five or six weeks for that brain to mm-hmm. heal. And that's the biggest problem. So we definitely have that. Um, but you know, the other thing we're going to be able to do is and once that update's done, you'll be able to plan trips, share trips with your friends. There'll be a social element, pictures and all kinds of fun stuff. But when you plan a trip, we're going to overlay like the national weather pattern. You're going to know if it's raining in two hours and you should take gear with you. And then when you do your ride, we're going to be measuring that ride. If it's a rough road, if there's traffic stops or there's construction, if there is um, rides similar to that down the road, you may be told later on, hey, you like to ride this. This is another great ride similar to what you do. So there's an AI in the background that's going to be doing a lot of this. And Ani, Ani, did some work with ways and understands ways. So there's some of that element coming into it. If you're a rider and you get on a rough stretch road, you'll probably be able to ping and go, Hey, this may not be the place to ride today. And then the best part is it's going to have some fun stuff. You know, we may put zero to 60 in there. We may put, how long can you pull a wheelie? We may put, how hard did you stop? How much did you lean over in a turn? So all that can be measured. We can measure all those little elements. So part of that's going towards like when we bring our dirt helmet out, you know, when you go into a jump, we'll know how hard you're compressing, how hard you come off, how long you're in the air, how hard you land, how many Gs you're pulling through a berm. So we can actually give you some real training information as well. And for road racers, the same thing. Eventually, I'd love to see it where we have, you know, Sears Point, Lagoon, and all these tracks. And you can actually wear your helmet 
and kind of see a measurement of where you're turning in, what you're doing, and how you're doing it, when you're accelerating, when you're braking, how hard, et cetera. You know, eventually that's where we want to go with these things because we can read all those different things. So there's a lot we're going to be able to do with this technology. See, well, that, yeah, because that, that's already in MotoGP now. I think that's right because when you're watching MotoGP and they show that little, you know, heads up display with the lean angle, miles per hour, kilometer, et cetera, that's kind of what you're talking about, huh? Everything you see on a MotoGP screen, we can currently reenact with our chipset. Just hook a phone to it, Velcro it to the bike somewhere, and we can project that for Moto America and show when they're shifting, when they're braking, how hard they're turning, what their lean angle is, all those fun things. So, yeah, so cool. we definitely have that stuff. And, uh, you know, we definitely uh, – like one of the protocols we're going to be bringing you'll be interested in because we know – you know, there isn't phone signal everywhere. So if you're going to go somewhere riding where you're in a limited phone signal area, the new protocol we're going to bring out is called Home by Dinner. So before you'll leave, you'll be able to open your app and either circle where your home is or circle where you're going to and put in an ETA when you expect to be there. If you don't show up, it'll go into a countdown. If you don't stop the countdown, mm. it's going to show a trail of breadcrumbs for every cell tower you hit that day and your last known location. So at least they have a shot of knowing where to start looking for you. I uh, see. I love this, and and this is why I wanted to bring Tamar in because you know I mean, we can talk about you know the tech and the safety, but to uh, an ER doc who gets it, yeah. and they're the ones who really know you know what 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 we need and especially to an er doc because there's so many er docs who call them donor bikes donor cycles so to be a rider you have to you know it's you know exactly how important gear is and what it needs to do so i appreciate uh tamar that you came on because you to hear you uh say like they're they're nailing it is really pretty cool and I'm also that part about incorporating the technology as far as with athletes because what ends up happening later on in life, you know, with the impact in a motorcycle, that's that immediate acute injury. Yeah. But with the athletes, it's the Cumulative. repetitive energies, yeah. uh, in, um, uh, injuries that end up causing the problems later in life, like with the boxers. and But with the football, it's the repetition um, far as that caused the shearing forces, the damage, you know, the early Alzheimer's set on and dementia, that the stuff that you don't see until it's time, you know, to actually look at the brain when they're deceased. Yeah. So, you know, to keep track of, okay, you know, okay, clinically, okay, I know there had a concussion or a post-concussion, but how hard was that actual impact? Yeah. And to keep track, and that would be good statistics that for people that do TBI, which is brain injury uh, research. I mean, dude, you on to something like like NFL <laughs> level, you know, incorporation yeah. with the, the yeah. colleges and stuff, because this is really important. You know, not everybody goes on to be a professional athlete. That's them. They can do that. They're doing it for millions. If they want to keep banging their head, that's on them. Yep. You know. <laughs> but for the young people, you know, you're not going to the pros. No. You know, so. I coached high school football for a lot of years. And, you know, out of, out of you know, four years and probably 400 premier 5A athletes out of Arizona, you know, one of them made it to the pros. One. Right? And that's, that's you know, you're talking – just you know 10 out of a thousand yeah right i mean that's what you're talking about in football players and 
And you're right. You know, some of these guys just give it all in college trying to get there. And there's a lot of cumulative damage. And that's the big problem is repetitive injuries to the head and repetitive injuries. And, uh, you know, the last bit I want to throw out there for all you guys. So in our testing and looking at how people ride, I think the most interesting statistic that I found to be true is about 82% of all riding is done by yourself. Mm-hmm. Now you may go ride with a buddy, you may go ride with a friend, but you're usually riding there alone, then you're meeting up, then you're riding home alone and all those things, but you're alone the majority of the time. So this is just kind of that, you know, in the background, non-obtrusive, somebody watching out for you thing, and that's probably what made me feel best because I ride alone a lot. I prefer to ride alone most of the time, quite frankly, and uh, I have a couple buddies I ride with, but again, a lot of that time is by myself, so that's what I like about it. Yes, ma'am. Quinn, Q-U-I-N, dot design. This is where you go to check these out. We don't always uh, have guests on just, you know, so they can promote their, their products unless we really believe in it and it aligns with what we, we want to see out there. So I wanted to thank you, Tim, for reaching out to us and bringing Anytime. this to our attention. Um, we love the tech. We love the safety. Um, I love it. I can't wait to see more. And especially, I can't wait. Uh, Miss Fitz, to arrive? tomorrow, <laughs> the helmet is arriving. Uh, daily. Uh, so we're going to have a helmet that we can play around with, do the app and see how it do. And, and we can compare it to, um, to see if it fits Emma's head. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's not my fault, darling. I was, dropped, <laughs> I, I was dropped as a baby. So I have, I have a dish shaped head. It allows me to think. <laughs> but she's, she's very broad minded. Yes, very much so. No, it it explains my love of vintage British motorcycles, darling. (laughs) Yes. So, yeah. Thank you so much, guys. I really, it's been fun. You guys are a great group. And uh, as we advance things and bring stuff out, I'll keep you aware of it. Yes, please do. uh, If you've got questions tomorrow, I can uh, ping me and I'll show you how to self demo that thing and what you can do with it. And, uh, and, um, yeah. um, Tim, if we could set up a return date sometime for you, um, you know, let's talk again in a year and see how the technology is progressing and what new Absolutely. products are. Year? No, November. Absolutely. That's November next month <laughs> when my helmet is ready. I want it in the the red, white, and blue to match oh, my yeah. uh, God. my Venture Sport DCT. Can the you make that trend. pearlescent? That would be nice. <laughs> And she wants her grinder profile actually programmed into it. <laughs> to it. <laughs> With the heads-up display in the helmet. Yeah, exactly. You, really, oh, you double-tap the control panel, go right to swipe left. It'll be great. <laughs> There's all the things. So thank you, Tim, for, for coming on and uh, yeah. sharing this with us. Thanks for uh, having me, guys. No really. problem. Oh, I will right. definitely get really back cool. to you when we play with it. All right. All right. Good night, everybody. Thanks. So, Tamar, are you going to stay on with us? Uh, yeah, because the only thing I would do is do some charting, so I don't want to do that right now. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, yeah, see you, Tim. I, I All right, well. Bye, Tim. Ciao. Tamar, let's hey, catch Tamar, up. Tamar, it's, it's great to see you. It's good to see you guys, too. Uh, so, how are you? You are in Arizona right now? Or in... Yeah, not, well, I'm in Arizona, but I'm yeah. Navajo Nation, so, you know. Oh, well, 
I'm glad you're not in Michigan right now. I'll tell you what, I just looked at Michigan today. It's not looking too cool right now. Uh, I spoke with my mom today because I, I fly back home tomorrow. Like, I changed my flight because it was at 6. And I'm like, I'm not going through the mountains because I got to fly. I fly out of Phoenix. So I'm about three hours away from Phoenix. And my mom did let me know that, the you know, our numbers are going up. And we're probably, I don't know what we're going to do because people try to quit kidnap my governor so um but it looks like uh that uh the it's more so not in detroit it's the surrounding areas that weren't getting hit but uh mm. the people have gotten a, a, a little lax and it's uh concerning yeah well so. i want to talk about your dirt riding how's it coming uh not coming haven't been able to get a dirt bike yet i seriously went into the dealership and i was like how did y'all sell all the bikes uh, like so i've been looking for a dirt bike still haven't been able to get a hold of one yet but uh i know there's some great spots out here where um i'm at work but honestly where i'm at i probably I need to find a buddy out here. I don't think I would feel comfortable yeah. um, well, going out. Well, you don't need a I've buddy. I've seen you ride, Tamar. I, I've been behind oh, you. You can... need a buddy. I need... <laughs> you, just need, you don't need a buddy. You just need a <laughs> Quinn Design oh, helmet. I definitely need a helmet. helmet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, I, I didn't go off the cliff, and I... I, I, I... <laughs> well, that's pretty good. <laughs> You, she you, almost you, we had, had Hollister. She almost. With you. That was so much fun that day. That was great. I didn't know what to do. Y'all came after me downhill. I didn't crash into you, though, so that's the positive. <laughs> oh, that's, that's always good. I forgot about that, Tamar. We all had breakfast at the airport before you uh, went out riding. Yep, and that was, uh, that was interesting. Yeah, that was an interesting day. I got yeah, a picture I, from my GoPro where you're you're shooting one way, the bike shooting another way. I think the front tire is doing something totally different. <laughs> was that when I flew off in the air in the bike? So uh, <laughs> that's when you're dirt biking. But it, it, hey, I got up every time. So yes, you did. But it is interesting going. that the issue we were just talking about. I mean, issue. It's the industry is doing so well now. It is hard to find bikes and especially to find deals on bikes emma you missed uh tad showed up today uh he just bought a new to him a drz 400 s i saw tad i saw tad was he you saw him today okay yeah 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 Yeah, that's right you saw him um and uh i'm not gonna say he he didn't overpay but he didn't get a deal i mean what i found was when i was looking at the drz 400 s's for sale um a 2002 was going for about the same price as like a 2012 yeah i mean like we're still talking in like 3500 to 4000 incredible like the 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 prices just stopped dropping. Uh, yeah. So I, I know it is hard. Um, keep with it or Tamar, you have another option. I honestly, I thought about going to the auction, like the police auction, mm. because I watched the in Detroit, you could probably get some really good dirt bikes at a police auction. Oh, yeah. I watched a couple of bikes get confiscated. And I blocked them. I was like, oh, they're kind of, you know, I'm a block because they're four wheelers and stuff. You know, Detroit, there's a lot of courtesy. You let the riders go. By the time I got down the road, I was like, oh, God, was there an accident? 
something happened. It was like two ATVs, nice ones. I, I, I was like, I wanted to ask the officers, can I just have them? So I think I'm going to hit the police auction because I'm pretty sure I might be able. But then that's something I would have, need to really contact so, one of you guys about because here's I the thing. know what I'm looking for. Here's the thing. The bikes that you find at the police auction are the ones that got caught. They're maybe not running so good. Okay. The ones or that are running good, they got away. Okay. <laughs> just, just saying, just okay. saying. Yeah. But um, I mean, keep it up. I mean, I think I think out there um, in Arizona is a great place to go. Just ride on dirt roads and and work on your skills. I mean, I think your your dirt riding experience before that was the parking lot uh, at the cafe in Bonneville when you hit the dirt. Um. It's like three feet of gravel. Yeah. She was down. And that was mud, you know, and I figured out, I, if I would have known what i known from what y'all showed me in dirt biking, yeah. that bike would have stayed up. Yeah. yeah. I just kind of panicked a little bit. But if I would have known, like, I could have that same control on a larger bike, I really think it could transfer or over as far as, like, the skill level. Uh, John, so, you have to check out? Yeah, I got to check out. All right. Thanks for sharing your story. I hope All you're right. feeling better. Yeah, I got one of those Quinn um, helmets on the way. i just been right. ordering during this oh, podcast. Wait, before oh, you go. Before I've been in a cart, too. Like, <laughs> <laughs> before you go, since we, since we got the doctor on. So, Tamar, just so you know, uh, this is... Uh, John's ER pictures from last night. Oh. 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 <laughs> he caught on fire. His bike caught, caught on, fire. on fire. And mm -hmm. because he was on so the bike, he was also on fire. If the, the, if the, if the helmet was yeah. mm -hmm. fireproof. Yeah. 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 Okay. You got to be careful with flames. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think I'll start. Good, good tip. Thanks, Mom. Yes. <laughs> Fire <Good> bad. <laughs> Fire bad. All right. Thanks All for right, coming on, John. Guys. All right, bye. Bye-bye. Right, Ciao. Um, Ciao. You guys, seriously, though, I'm I'm excited about this helmet, um, but not just this helmet, but other tech. And I just wanted to have a conversation, especially because we have Tamar on. I wanted to see what other tech you guys want to see Um in in gear and maybe bikes you remember um i think uh last year i got that jacket from um jacquard it's google it's a google company and it's a partnership with levi's and they have a levi's jean jacket but it has sensors in the sleeve so that you can um talk to your phone through tapping your sleeve you can turn your phone up or down your music do stuff like that on the sleeve it's it's a pretty cool concept where the sensors are woven into the material and that's what kind of got me thinking about what other things can we do like tamar i gave you i give you all with him i'm like tell him tell the man what you want to see in his helmet and you're like i think you Honestly, did a pretty good job this is i mean uh, I, I got one. I got one, Tamar. I was wow to buy it. Like, Tell me if you think this is a good idea. Okay. So There's what if there was airbags, neck collar, and the bottom of the helmet? So that upon That's too much. <laughs> um, because, like, I looked at those, you know, the mm -hmm. the little demos of the, the jacket, the vest that people have. Yeah, he like, yeah. Um... 
just from the demo models, I don't think it's doing a lot of saving because you're breaking really? all types of limbs and stuff. And I, I don't know. Um, I don't know if you're aware of this. All of the really important stuff is in the middle of your body. Yes, that's your core. Yes. But if your neck snaps or you hit your, your head and smash, that that's good. Like your core protected or yeah, <clears throat> blunt trauma can be an issue. Um, but, uh, you know, you can have internal bleeding. Usually with blunt trauma, you're going to have like maybe a splenic laceration. You know, that's something you can live without as long as people get to you. It causes a lot of uh, bleeding. Same thing with a liver. Um, you know, you can have internal bleeding, but my thing is like, say for instance, none of this is going to protect you from a spinal cord injury, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, spinal cord injury. That's a whole nother level Uh brain injury. That's a whole nother level because then your whole uh, quality of life has changed. Your whole life has changed. And honestly, I think mm-hmm. some of that like stuff around your neck it might prevent your body's natural way of responding. Because mm. um, your body does stuff like, think about it, like when you go to fall and if you fall backwards, your body naturally pulls its head forward mm-hmm. to prevent injury. So uh, some of this stuff might be uh, concerning from how your body would actually react to things. Unless it's something that's going to blow up and put you in a cushion bubble. Um, so that, that's a, that's a concern too. Well, and, and I, I would like to see uh, some improvements in, in gloves because here's why you may not be aware of this, but I mean, Emma's like biggest uh, danger to herself is breaking a nail. So she really needs to protect those nails. She could bleed to death. Darling. You have no idea. <laughs> oh, I, it's a lot of women that, you know, they, they instead of, they don't want to mess their nails up, so they'll go riding and they'll do the fingerless nails. And it's kind of like, that's a safety problem, too. I understand yeah. you want to have your nails all pretty and stuff, but, you know, you go down, you know, you're, you're, you're saving your nails. You go down, who cares? You don't have nails or possibly fingers anymore. You uh, know? So unless somebody creates some type of special glove where you can put your nails in and it's protect I don't know, that would be weird. I'll tell you what I really did like about the Quinn Designs helmet compared to the the first like a batch of smart helmets, like like the, the Sully Scully. Um they're giving you more information, right? Uh, a heads-up display to give you more information. What I like about Quinn, it's the, not giving you more information. It's giving uh, first responders and 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 med- medics more information. Right. That is kind of cool because I didn't think, I think about me. What do I need? I want to be able to see the map and watch the Matrix at the same time and, you know, and, and get my text. It's like, oh, maybe I don't. Maybe I don't need that m- Maybe it's more beneficial for yeah. the EMTs to know exactly where the impact was and, you know, to have that information. That's what I like about that technology, because that's what I'm saying. There's a plus and minus to the amount of technology used, especially while riding a motorcycle mm-hmm. where you really need to be focused. You can still, but there needs to be a certain amount of focus and too much technology 
too many distractions, I think, is a safety risk. Right. You know, yeah. it, it might, you know, you know, just doing too much, like how they have the ones where you can, it, sometimes it might do too much, but this right here seems beneficial. Like you said, it's not for you. Well, it's for you, for your protection, but it's giving that technology to others <sighs> to look out for you. Well, and the other thing that it comes with that is a safety feature, but people don't realize it. Jim will agree with me because he was very reluctant to get a Bluetooth headset at first. He's like, I don't want to hear you talking to me all the time. But it has turned out to be quite beneficial when we're writing to convey important information to one another so that we are writing safer. Wouldn't you agree, Jim? It has come in handy. It is a heck of a price to pay to listen to you for six hours straight. <laughs> but I will say, uh, well, just we were we were bouncing down to Jameson's to film at the uh, at the museum on Saturday, and my stator shit the bread, shit the shit the bed, and um, and you were the bread. You, shit the bread. Why were we right? bread? It's shit the magnets. Actually, it's shit magnets. Yeah. It's shat, shat magnets, um, throughout the rotor. But um. But Liza was leading. I was what well, I was sweeping, I think. Mm -hmm. And um, but had I not been able to tell you, hey, I, I'm losing power, you know, it would have been a big deal. But you all have been, you know, ways up the road before you realized it. Mm -hmm. um, and this way, we both all got off the freeway at the same time, diagnosed the problem. And we're back on, you know, back in action very quickly. Yeah. So for me, having um, comms in your helmet so you can be in communication with your other riders I think is is really just as important as well. So I think it's pretty cool. I can't wait for the ADV helmet to come out. Tamar, yeah. you, you think you're going to get one? Uh, yeah, I would like it. Like, like I said, I've been trying to advocate, especially around physicians, because like mm -hmm. I said, motorcyclists get a bad rap. And there are some physicians and ER docs and a couple of trauma people that ride. So I, I really want them to know that people are trying to be safe. You know, there, there's the tech out there. There's the gear out there. You know, there are options to be as safe as possible while on a motorcycle because it's still a risk compared to a car. But, you know, it's, it's, all, like you said, it's all about minimizing the risk. Yeah. And, you know, you know if, one of the things I liked about tonight and talking to the, uh, about the helmet was these guys, <laughs> it seems like they're poised for like a paradigm shift in helmets. You know, we mentioned some of the other guys that, that, that do things with helmets, but they seem like it's a whole shift in technology, like a whole shift, yeah. obviously, in different different sports and stuff. But I think once they get the satellite stuff down and a couple of other things, what a heck of a cool helmet that'll be. Yeah. yeah, and just the just the design too. I, I was really impressed with how they they were using biological models to mm -hmm. design the, yeah. the structure mm -hmm. of the helmet. That was really cool. Because there is. there is you know such beautiful simplicity and efficiency in nature that you know, just by studying it, you can you can find that. Totally. Well, everything yeah. is in nature. The answer. There so. you go. Um, I'm going to read some emails. Tamar, did you want to stick with us or are you going to, uh, I can't. you got you some reports a in the background. There's a cat. There is a cat. <laughs> in the background. I know that is my cat. I know. Do, do you need to get yeah. to your charts or, or? I don't even know what time it is. I'm on a different time. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> okay. The listeners are not. A He's, a little retarded. Okay. He's a little retarded. All right. yeah. I don't know what time it is on my time zone. Every instrument, like everything has a different time. Hold up. Yeah. It's probably, yeah. okay. It's nine o'clock. 
My hotel is on Hopi Nation, so it doesn't. It's seven fifty four, but uh. I think on Navajo is eight fifty four. Hmm. So, uh, Don't you give people drugs like on a regular basis, kind of thing? Shouldn't you kind of have that sorted out by now? <laughs> like going across the street is an hour difference. It's true. Wow. It is Arizona after all. Well, I'm going to let you go. We're just going to answer some quick emails. Thank you very much for coming on. Um, it was great to have you to really understand to the whole safety thing from that perspective i thought it would be relevant uh to your industry so i'm glad you were available to come on thank you and thank you sorry for showing up late but yeah just in time okay all, all right. right you guys have fun all right see thank you for inviting me and let me come on all right bye all right guys bye. i got uh i got some emails i'm gonna get through some of these pretty quick um First one is from John, and he says, Love the podcast. Keeps me sane during the many hours of the work week. Great boost in confidence to know that bike maintenance is within my skill level. Buell Blast is one of those Craigslist bikes you can completely rebuild in your living room. Keep yep, the rubber side that. down. <laughs> nice. I think I think the Buells are going to have a resurgence. They Don't might. you think? I know, right? Well, yeah, that, there's, that, nothing, that, there's nothing like them. Yeah, and that blast that I revived for for for, uh, for my friend that that's it was fun. I gotta say, there you go. It w- would you say it was a blast? It was kind of a blast. Yeah, <laughs> it was, at least a kick in the pants. Hey, <laughs> this one is from one of our favorites, Patty in New Jersey. Hey, Patty, hey, Patty. and Patty. Patty's got some good news. Oh yeah. He says, I'm doing my part to keep the motorcycle culture alive. By culture, I mean, I got my up-the-butt bike. No way. Yes, he got his up-the-butt bike. Which sounds painful. It is a 2016 Super Duke GT. Oh, a super duke. A super duke. Most expensive and newest bike he's ever owned. He's giddy as shit. Nice. Congratulations, nice. Well done, Patty. Patty. That is a hell of a machine right there. Wow. Awesome. Yeah, I got to test ride one of those. Um, yeah, there's just so much, so much more. Hey, um, let's see. I got another one. Oh, wait. Yeah, this one is good. So remember last week we helped uh, a listener who had a Versus and a DRZ 400S? Yes. And he, wanted, yep. he was thinking about selling them. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we kind of helped him out. We did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's from uh, Matthew, and he gets back to us. He says, all right, thanks for all the input. So here's what I decided. He said, I'm going to sell the Versus and keep the DRZ 400. Remember, that was my suggestion. He said, after riding uh, a friend's FJ09 again, he realized that he needs to become a better rider before he could really use all the power of the FJ09. That's really cool for somebody to recognize that. He says, I only use my bikes to commute to and from work, and occasionally I get out on weekends to explore fire roads and moto camp. Unfortunately, the national forest land we usually play in just had a huge wildfire about 50 miles from our house, so we have to find some, find some new places to explore. So he's decided to sell the Versus and use that money to get a set of SM wheels for the DRZ, some new uh-huh. gear, get some motorcycle training classes make some more mods to the drz to make it better for longer trips and he's going to get his 12 year old son this is the best part a coleman bt 200 mini bike not just one he's getting two so they can ride together (laughs) yes Yes. and 
He's not stopping there. He put a deposit down on a brand new Honda CT125 Hunter Cub. Oh, nice. Yes. So I think it's cool. He, He figured out all the little things and he can make his drz the the everything bike that he wants get a cushy seat yeah yeah exactly yeah. all right um this one is hey this is from rowdy oh rowdy rowdy rowdy, rowdy. He says, I'm listening to episode 389 when y'all had the discussion about gray market bikes. Mm-hmm. I had to look up the Yamaha MT-01. It's a very nice looking bike and conceptually quite similar to Buell's with its cruiser-like air-cooled overhead valve V-twin and a sports bike frame. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. At the same time, the Buell produced more power and weighed significantly less. If Buell sales couldn't keep that brand afloat, perhaps it was a good call for Yamaha not to bother with MT-01 in the U.S., Hmm. And you know what? Rowdy brings up a very, very valid point. It's all very well for us to salivate over these things that sell well in Europe or sell well in Japan. But there's no guarantee they'll sell well in America. True. And the, the market is full of nearly good enough the manufacturers, oh, this is going to sell like hotcakes, and it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And it's a complete flop. So, um, no, I'm, I'm with Rowdy. I mean, it's, it's on the face of it, it looks great. But the only one I really regret, which I didn't mention in that episode, Suzuki brought this thing out called the GSX 1400. Mm. Uh, England had them. Germany had them. I mean, absolute beast of a naked bike it's a wonderful thing um but i don't think it would have sold in america Hmm. in the numbers enough to support it so hey it is what it is so we got one more email this one's a little bit long but it's good and emma i think you're gonna appreciate this one oh righty oh and this one is from chad he says Hey guys, he says, hey, hey, I wanted you to know that I really enjoy your show. It's funny and informative. It also helped me enjoy riding more. I've had several bikes over the years. When I started listening to your show, I had an 09 Superglide. Superglide. Is that how you say it, Emma? Superglide. Yes. My favorite (laughs) Harley Davidson. (laughs) No, I like Superglides. It's my favorite. He says uh, he bought it used, installed a windshield, saddlebags, and started riding 15 to 20,000 miles a year. Every time he takes it out on a long ride, it really beats him up. It's just so heavy and it doesn't handle well. Mm. Uh, most of the riding is on back roads and in hills of the Smoky Mountains. Oh. So he had decided that his next bike was going to be more comfortable. It just really had to be. Um, he says, I didn't want a big touring bike, but I didn't want a sport tour either. So one day, while back, uh, while listening to some of your older podcasts, somebody, it might have been Emma... Brought the Honda, brought up the Honda PC8 800. It, uh, PC800. It took me back to 1992 when I bought my first street bike. I wanted a PC800 but didn't have enough cash. I ended up buying a cool but much smaller bike. So I started looking for a PC800. I found a few, but they were few and none were in good shape. I went to a dealer who has a very large used bike inventory. I thought I might luck upon one in hundreds of bikes there, but no PC800 was found. However, 
I did come across a really clean NT700V. You familiar okay. with that one? Yeah. He I says am. he took it for a test drive and knew it was what he was looking for. He traded in the Harley on the spot and he left oh. with a NT700 and a check in his pocket. Nice. nice. Yeah, so that was in the spring of this year. I brought the bike home and went on a couple of long rides. It's been perfect, exactly what I needed for my meandering riding style. I'd planned a lot of trips this past summer. I know what you're thinking. COVID must have derailed my plans. Nope, I'm in the National Guard, and the Army pulled me into a deployment with a different unit that was short on personnel. So my new bike spent the summer in my mom's garage. Radio. I'm writing this, I'm writing to you from the Middle East. I'm pretty lucky to be in a relatively safe place with good connectivity, so I can still listen to you guys on a regular basis. I love hearing Emma talk about British bikes. I've had a lot of bikes, but I fell in love with motorcycles on the back of a Triumph. Anyway, sorry to be so long-winded. If I make it out to the West Coast, I'll stop by the shop and lend a hand. He's uh, been deployed in the Middle East. That would be Tennessee, right? Oh, for God's sake, Liza, don't be so facetious. Chad, stay safe out there, darling. Yeah, couple of things about your um, NC700. Number one, it is the cultural successor to the PC800, and therefore brilliant. But what Chad doesn't really know about his bike, the design team that put out the NC700 had no background in motorcycles. Mm. Honda wanted a clean sheet, so they reached out to the car design team, specifically the younger members of the Honda Civic design squad, and said, come up with a bike. And that was the result, which is why it breaks so much ground. It's a brilliant bike. Stay safe. When you come home, you're going to enjoy your bike even more. And I have a question for you, Emma. Does that bike have chain or shaft? It's chain drive, I think. No, wait a minute. No, I think it's chain drive. I only bring it up because, hey, the Misfits dropped a new episode of our show this oh, week. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And this one is chain versus shaft. And uh, I know that I know that there's belts also, but belts are so similar uh, in, in function and in efficiency to chain. So we were really talking about the big difference between those two different, tri- completely different drive units, uh, chain and drive. And we did it from the Jameson Museum, so you get to see some cool bikes. So yeah, go on to um, post it on our Facebook page, or you can also go to Recycle Santa Cruz on uh, on YouTube and find the Misfits, M-I-S-S-F-I-T-S, and check out our video. We got another one I'm editing, which is going to be good, too. I was giving Emma a little uh, show on it. I'm having some fun with editing on it. Yeah. Um, it's always fun being back at the Jameson. It's it's just, it's it's a wonderful place, and it gives me a warm glow inside every time I'm in there and that's not my triumph trident electric setting my crotch on fire it is a warm glow from within (laughs) well there you go uh do we have any other announcements to make um you know it's funny how things come in multiples because if you remember about 18 months ago 
we actually had a listener write in and said, you guys actually have to stop crashing as much as you do. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. And it seems we've moved beyond that now, and now we're setting each other on fire. <laughs> the rules of three. Oh, um, Next level. So, oh, please, misfits, uh, no more fires, darling. Yeah. Are you listening, oh. Jim? Uh, yes, I am. Yes. I have to say, yes. I'm probably the most likely since we've been working on the KZ400 and we got it running, but it's only running on one cylinder. Well, no, and, it's running on about a cylinder and a half. And right the now. left carburetor overflows and leaks everywhere. So yes. there's a puddle of gas. So I'm like, ooh, I think you, you brought up a good point. What possibly go wrong? Uh, I did a pretty good job cleaning it, though. I didn't put new gaskets in. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm sure it's just the float is stuck. Oh, yeah. Um, but I'll tell you what, what an ace little bike. It sounds like a little Bonneville. You know, it's got that nice kind of raspy. Yeah, it sounds mean <clears throat> for a little thing. And it starts first kick. Yeah. Well, for I me, know. about the 23rd kick because I got bad knees. But yes. Oh, well, <laughs> Emma, it starts first kick. <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. what a neat little bike. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. I'm absolutely in love with it. I think it's the neatest thing. I might end up buying that off you, like. What? I may. <laughs> I don't know. I might mm -hmm. buy my own. I mean, I've always yeah. liked them. You know you want mine because it's the rarer one. I, you know, i got to tell you, I'm kind of liking the mm -hmm. drum brake. It's, ho it's horrible. Like, it does nothing. Hmm. Absolutely well, nothing. Well, that's that's why I modified my Trident. Yeah. Because if there's one thing more frightening than a 400cc twin with a drum front brake, a 750cc triple with a drum brake is three times as frightening. <laughs> if, if I know Emma, the first thing she'll do is take your Kawasaki and put a Katana front end on it. No, you know what? That little thing deserves to be stock. Yeah, which it is. It you know, and I think if I had it, I would go to the local Goodwill and buy clothes from 1974. <laughs> and then, you know, just like show up wearing like brown platforms or something. And hey, <laughs> I have to nice. say, it, it, I, I don't want to make fun of hipsters or certain bike brands, but... Um, Oh, that reminds me of two things I saw. So today I saw um, a hipster riding a um, Janus. You remember the Janus bikes? They're from yeah. uh, mm -hmm. Goshen, Indiana, I believe. Um, yeah. Uh, little 250cc cool kind of custom tank. It had the the vintage leather jacket, had uh, the, the dark blue jeans that were six inches too long, so the cuff was rolled up with the Doc mm -hmm. Martens and had you know the bell helmet, vintage helmet, and then had the brown baseball hat hanging from his uh, belt loop. And I was like, that's, it's just, it's all the things. It's all the yeah. things, right? Going 35 miles an hour. Oh yeah. But speaking of 35 miles an hour, you know what else I saw this week? I couldn't believe it. I was up on 680, which is pretty fast freeway, right? And I couldn't believe what I saw. It was somebody on a like a Yamaha Riva scooter. It was like a like a tiny little scooter, maybe a 125, with no helmet, in a full tuck doing like 45 on the freeway. Jesus! And like cars are idea. like swerving around, and I oh like because he was going so slow, I flew past him 
didn't have enough time to get a picture. Like I almost wanted to get yeah. off and circle back on and be like, what the hell are you thinking? I was like, yeah, there's, is- he has to be running from the cops right now. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause you know where they're not looking for a guy on a little scooter with no helmet on the freeway. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm sure they'd find him soon enough, but <laughs> I know I thought that was crazy, but yeah. I'm sure we'll have more crazy things to report next week, but yeah. we won't. Well, we may see bagel next week. We may. Possibly. If I can make it back in time, I will definitely be on the podcast. Aww. But uh, that all depends on, on schedule and, and uh, traffic on the way back from Oregon. Surely but, you mean your schedule, dear. Schedule, yes. <laughs> yes, dear. Yeah. Well, Bagel, yeah. I know that, especially now that we're recording um, remotely on Zoom, that we're not going to lose you to the podcast, but we will lose you here. So for that, I am sad. Yeah. Mm. And I'm sad to, to say goodbye to everybody in the garage and not see you all for other than on, on the Zoom calls and uh, the one show for, for a while. Um, but I will be back for sure. Um, you know, I still have family down here and lots of friends. Yeah. And um, yeah. And, you know, you know how I like to take long rides. So. Yes. <laughs> Bagel will so, do yeah. a lunch ride down to Santa Cruz. Yeah, something like that. Just going to pop out for lunch. I'll be right back. Yeah, but I will. Uh, I will definitely be looking forward to uh, getting on the road. We will miss you, Bagel. Thank you for being a part of this. Thanks, and I uh, still still look forward to uh, joining you guys on the show. For nice. Sure. So I think on that note, um, oh, Holly has entered. Oh my! I'm kidding. Angry cat is here. <laughs> oh jeez, he found me. Yeah. All right, I that think cat I got actually looks like Bill the cat. The old Bill the cat. That <laughs> cat looks pretty darn close. And his name is Holly because he was found in Hollister. Uh-huh. I don't remember Bill the cat. I remember Fritz the cat mm. from, uh, oh, from Fritz County. The cat. All right, let's wrap this up. Hey, go to motorcyclesandmisfits.com. Okay, I'm coming. Quit yelling at me. And you'll find the link to everything there. That's her uh, and don't forget to go check out the the Quinn design helmets. I'll put the link in the show notes as well. This and is something that I can sure stand to behind. Check out the Misfits video. That's M I S S F I. T-S. Exactly. <laughs> um, we got some cool stuff coming up. Um, uh, next week, we're doing a special Saturday interview because uh, Halloween weekend, I won't be here. So that we'll be able to post that up uh, on uh, that Halloween weekend. So um, I'm looking forward to it. This is going to be pretty cool. Pretty cool story to share. Just going to say that. Nice. Yes. So I think we're ready to get out of here. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you to our Patreon supporters. we got some new ones. Um, I love it. I Actually, Jim, you'll be excited. I used some of the Patreon money, and I ordered even more camera equipment, more Ooh. monitors, um, stuff like that, just more equipment right. so that we – because I know that when we're filming that you're looking on that little LCD screen, so I ordered another mm-hmm. one of the big monitors uh, oh, cool. for you just to make your job easier as well. But couldn't do it without more, the support on Patreon. I was going to say, so thank you. more idiot-proof. More idiot-proof, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So thanks again, everyone. And especially thank you to you, Misfits, for being Aww. here. And we got our stunt misfit, Tamar, that came on. I love that we have so many people, so many people that we can call on. And you know what? I'm I'm just going to, I'm going to throw this out. I know I probably shouldn't. And you know what? And this will be a test to see how many people make it to the end of the podcast, right? What do you guys think if next week uh, we put out an open call and let some of the misfits out there join us? Yes. Sure. 
I think we should do that all the time. Yeah. I think. I love that. I think that's great. I think um, if you would like to join us and be a stunt misfit, just like Emma's stunt pearls. I can't wait to smell them, Emma. Um, send us an email. RecycleMotorcycleGarage at gmail.com. Say, I'm talking to you, Rowdy. I'm a misfit, too. And um, I might just include you, send you out a Zoom link to join us on our recording next week. How about and that? And wear a costume. Be the Halloween Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you're wearing pants, you're in a costume, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Getting let's silly. get out of here. Thank you, everyone. This is Liza. Emma Darling. Bagel. Thank you, Jim. And we're out of here. Go, go. Go, go.